Okay, believe we are ready to go ahead. Okay, welcome everyone to our Galena City Council closed session of February the 7th, 2023. Um, if we could have a roll call of City Council. Councilmember Kasdan. Here. Councilmember Reyes Martin. Here. Councilmember Kiriako. Here. Mayor Pro Tempore Richards. Here. And Mayor Perotti. I'm here. Um, okay. At this time, um, we'll have opportunity for the public to address anything's on anything that's on the closed session. Do we have any speakers? We have no speakers, Mayor. Okay. Then um, if uh, Ms. Garibaldi, if you could uh, report us into closed session. Thank you, Mayor. Um, having no closed session, closed session speakers, the City Council can now convene in closed session pursuant to um, the item, two items listed on the agenda for anticipated litigation, initiation of litigation under government code section 4956.9D4. Okay, thank you. Then we will recess to closed session. That's all I need to know And what they're saying Says so People say that you have found somebody new and it won't be long before you leave me say it isn't true say Hello, everyone. I'm uh, uh, Mayor Pro Tem Kyle Richards here. I'm uh, 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 going to open the meeting on behalf of uh, Mayor Paula Prodi. She is going to chair the meeting today remotely. So um, I think for now, if we all rise and say the Pledge of Allegiance. Ready? Begin. Okay, I'm here. Can you all hear me? Yes, we can. Okay, thank you, Mayor Pro Tem. 
um opening yes i'm i'm home not feeling well so i'm doing this virtually it'll be my first time doing this virtually when everybody else is at city hall so bear with us and uh we'll get this we get through this so right now i'd like to have roll call of our city council councilmember kasdan here (laughs) councilmember reyes martin here councilmember kiriako here mayor pro tempo richards here and mayor Prodi. I'm here. Okay, uh, we, I'd like to have report from closed session. Ms. Garibaldi. Thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, the City Council convened in closed session at 4.01 p.m. There were no public speakers. There were two items just um, listed on the agenda for a closed session under initiation of litigation. The Council only discussed one of those items. No reportable action was taken, and the City Council recessed at 5.23. Thank you. At this time, we'll have public forum. Anybody that wishes to speak to anything that's not on our agenda this evening? Yes, and if anyone on the Zoom webinar would like to speak to public forum, please use the raised hand icon and I will call on you. And our first speaker will be Brett Garrett. Please unmute yourself and you'll have three minutes. Good afternoon. My name is Brett Garrett. Can you hear me? Yes, um, we can. Yes, thank you. I mean, I live in Goleta and I'm a member of People for Public Banking Central Coast, and we are advocating for a Central Coast public bank. This will be a government-owned bank to meet the needs of the counties and cities in the Central Coast region. With a public bank, our city's money will work for us, creating um, benefits for Central Coast residents instead of profits for Wall Street stakeholders. This is not a new idea. The state of North Dakota has had its own public bank for over 100 years. It does not compete with credit unions or community banks. It actually cooperates with small institutions to help them thrive, creating more loans to benefit communities. Our public bank will do the same for the Central Coast. Banks leverage funds and create money in the sense that every dollar of capitalization can provide $10 worth of loans. It's a money multiplier effect our public bank will be able to multiply our tax dollars, creating money by issuing um, loans to benefit our region. Our public bank will bring democracy and transparency to banking, helping to fund housing projects, critical facilities, clean energy projects, and supporting equity while avoiding investment in fossil fuels. Our public bank will represent the values of our region. Three counties and nine cities are already engaged in the formation of this public bank, and that includes Santa Barbara County. These counties and cities are just about to finalize an RFP request for proposals to produce a viability study, which is an initial step toward creating a Central Coast public bank. And this is not a partisan issue, but I do want you to know just last week, the Democratic Party of Santa Barbara County passed a resolution urging the cities in our county to get involved in creating this proposed public bank. So that's what I'm asking you to do. Um, The person to contact is in Santa Cruz County. His name is Peter Detlefs, and he's the principal administrative analyst for the county of Santa Cruz. He has written a draft of the RFP, and at this time he is seeking input from the participating agencies in order to finalize the RFP. So this would be a great time for the city of Goleta to get involved. Again, his name is Peter Detlefs, D-E-T-L-E-F-S, at Santa Cruz County. And I thank you very much. Thank you. 
Do we have any other speakers? Yes, Madam Mayor. Marissa Colo, if you'll please unmute yourself and you'll have three minutes. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, we yes, can. We Hi, members of Goleta City Council. My name is Marissa Coelho, and last month I spoke to you all about my concerns about the use of diesel-powered lights on Gersh's Park, Gersh Park soccer fields. I requested that the Foundation for Gersh Park get an estimate on the cost required to upgrade the soccer field lights and share the information with myself and the public such that we can do a fundraiser. I also asked the Goleta City Council members to endorse this message and require that Gersh Park electrify its field lights for the health and safety of the neighborhood. After my public comment uh, in January, I received contact from the foundation for Gersh Park where I found out they have been trying to upgrade the soccer field lights for some time. Gersh Park is, is currently conducting a fundraising campaign to fund the permanent field lights for Gersh Hotchman Field and has raised a significant portion of their goal. Now all the foundation needs is a permit to make the upgrades, which will eliminate the dirty and inefficient diesel-powered construction lights that are currently used for evening soccer. I now ask the Goleta City Council members to endorse the soccer field light upgrade and approve the uh, park's request for any permits that they Thank you so much. Thank you. And that concludes our speakers for public forum. Okay, thank you. Um, okay, at this time we'll have amendments or adjustments to our agenda, city manager. Madam Mayor, I have none. I was gonna move uh, city manager comments up to the front, but I'll leave that to the end of the meeting. Okay, all right. Okay, that leaves us for the consent calendar. That is. Item A1, findings to hold remote teleconference meetings pursuant to Assembly Bill 361. Item A2, approval of the City Council meeting minutes of January 17, 2023. Item A3, ratification of mayoral appointments to the Planning Commission, the Design Review Board, and the Parks and Recreation Commission. Item A4, amendment number one to agreement 2022-018 with DocuSign. And item A5, funding assistance for Buena Tierra permanent supportive housing project. Council wish to pull any item from consent. I'd like to pull A1, please. Okay. Any other item? Not seeing any. Okay. Why don't we take A1 and then we'll um, prove everything as a whole. And to note, I do have a speaker for at least item A5, Mayor. Oh, okay. So we're doing A1 and A5. Okay, I'll go. Um, thank you for pulling this up. The reason I wanted to uh, was that I thought we could have an opportunity to hear from our staff and council regarding the changes to the, the laws and the, the emergency order and our ability to continue meeting remotely, and that's very timely uh, given tonight's meeting. Thank you. Um, thank you, Mayor and Mayor Pro Tem. Um, so I think I'll do a little, a tiny ground act training. Um, the Brown Act applies to the legislative body. So of that is the council or any of our commissions and committees within the city. And the historic Brown Act rules pre-pandemic were that if a council member, for purposes of virtual meetings, if a council member or a member of a body 
was unable to be in person at the meeting that the um, that the Brown Act has what we call the old teleconferencing rules, which was that we would allow a council member to participate remotely, but we had to place on the agenda the location that that council member would be at. So if the council member was was had a cold and was taking their the council meeting from their house in their living room, we actually had to post the council member's address on the agenda. And then the council member at home had to post the agenda on their front door and leave it open so the public could come in. Um, those rules actually still exist in the Brown Act. Um, then the pandemic hit and we needed a solution to allow us to continue to have our meetings. And ultimately what resulted was AB 361. And that is what, is what we have been operating under for the last couple of years. That allows for virtual participation of council members um, as such as the mayor tonight, um, who's not feeling well. And so in, instead of being present, um, she's being cautious and staying home. And those rules don't require that we post her address and that she doesn't post the agenda on her door um, and allow people into her living room so that she doesn't get them sick there also. Um, so AB 361 under its terms sunsets at the end of 2023, um, but it requires that the council make continued findings, which is what we have been doing at all of our meetings. Every 30 days under the law, we had to find that there was a declaration of an emergency and that some other body was recommending social distancing. Um, and then at, at the end of, or during the last legislative season, the legislature also passed AB 2449, and that is a sort of a modified or a lesser version of AB 361 that allows remote participation of the council in certain circumstances, but not in all circumstances anymore. It still does not require the posting of a council member that, uh, location on an agenda or that the public is accessible or that they are accessible to the public wherever they are remotely. Um, and so now as we are at the end of, or anticipated end of the state of the emergency and as local agencies are pulling back their um, various COVID orders and with that maybe a rollback of recommended social distancing, those findings are now more challenging to make. And so we will be pivoting and starting to rely on AB 2449. For purposes of the public, the public, it won't, nothing will change for them. Our meetings are still gonna be available in person or via Zoom, and the public can still participate in person or via Zoom. For purposes of council, there are some extra hurdles now if you intend to participate remotely either under the old teleconferencing rules in which you would have to tell the clerk in advance and we'd have to post the location of that council member wherever they may be. Um, it doesn't have to be your house. It can be some other location in which maybe it's more acceptable to have that address publicly available. Um, or it can be under AB 2449 rules in which in the event, what they, the primary ones are what is called just cause. So if there's a a just cause reason a council member can't be available in person at a meeting. They can, um, there are certain procedures they can do to qualify for that just cause finding. There's a limitation on how often the council member can rely on that. So this won't allow council members to be virtual at all meetings. And there's also an emergency finding. So if there's a health emergency for the council member, they can also be virtual 
without having to go through those old teleconferencing rules. So sort of a long answer, but the rules are a little bit complex. Um, but I think the t key takeaway is that for the public, this really remains the same for them. They can participate in person or they can pr participate remotely. And for a council, we will work with you to help guide you through those extra hurdles as we now rely on AB 2449. Thank you. Do we have any speakers for that item? Yes, if any speaker wishes to speak to item A1, please use the ra raised icon now and I will call on you. Seeing none, Mayor. Okay. Then um, why don't we take A5 and I'm not, oh, that was somebody from the public that's pulled that one? Yes, we have a public speaker for A5. Okay. That is the Finding Assistance for Buena Tierra Permanent Supportive Housing Project and our speaker is John Polanski. Please make your way to the Thank podium. You. Good evening, Madam Mayor. I hope you feel better. And Thank members you. of the council. My name is John Polanski, Director of Housing Development with the Housing Authority of the County of Santa Barbara. And I just wanted to publicly thank the council and the city staff once again for your wholehearted support of our redevelopment of Buena Tierra into 60 permanent supportive housing units. As you probably noticed from the, the staff report, we're not gonna be able to house folks quite as soon as we would have hoped. Uh, we're looking at the end of the year as opposed to sometime in the middle of the year. And the primary cause of that is the switch gear, which uh, for engineers out there, we can probably do that at some future council meeting or workshop talking about that. I'm learning more about it than I care to. Uh, what it involves is of course the electricity is, as you may have surmised. Right now, Edison has the um, plans uh, submitted for approval. We expect approval within the next couple weeks. I want to thank uh, Assemblymember Greg Hart as well. He got us in touch with Natalie, the government affairs manager at Edison, to speed things up on that end. Once we have the approved switchgear plans, we can go out and try the various alternatives that have been provided to us that are not a 52-week uh, delay in receiving an assembled switchgear, which would put it a year from now. So anyway, we, we are cautiously optimistic that we're able to, to meet the end of the year timeframe. If we can beat it, we'd be very happy. But I, I just want to give the council an update. And again, a big thank you both to the council and the staff uh, for your support. Also to the businesses out there, Yardi has stepped up to the plate to help our future residents. So any local businesses that would also like to help these folks who are coming out of experiencing homelessness into permanent supportive housing, please contact us at the Housing Authority, County of Santa Barbara, or go come into our office here in Old Town Goleta. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Polanski, so much for all the work that you do. If any Thank of the public would like to speak to the consent agenda, please use the raised hand icon and I will call on you. I'm seeing no hands for the consent agenda. Okay, then I'm looking for a motion to approve A1, A2, A3, A4, and A5. So moved. I'll second. Okay. All right, roll call. Oh, we, can, can we do roll call? Because I'm not there. Yes, How do we do this? A roll call vote, please, yeah. but we will not be using the voting machines. Okay, I got it. And uh, Councilmember Kasdan. Aye. Councilmember Reyes Martin. Aye. Councilmember Kiriako. Aye. Mayor Pro Tempore Richards. Yes. And Mayor Parodi. Aye. Ayes have it. Thank you. 
It's very odd being on this end. <laughs> very peculiar. That'll okay. take us to a discussion action item B1, consideration of a request from the Goleta Valley Historical Society to host private evening events to 10 p.m. at Stowe House. Okay, who's making this presentation? Is it Mr. Four? Madam Mayor, Madam Mayor, I'll be making the presentation. Uh, Madam oh. Mayor and Council Members, Christy Schmidt, Assistant City Manager. Um, so as you know, the city owns a piece of property called the Lake Carneros, Lake Los Carneros Natural Historic Preserve, which includes the historic Stowe House. Uh, the Stowe House is operated for the public benefit under a $1 per year lease agreement with the Goleta Valley Historical Society, or GVHS, um, with additional funding through our uh, uh, Support to Other Agencies program of about $100,000 this year. It's an annual funding um, for the operations at the Stowe House. Um, one of the things that the GVHS does under the lease is to oversee rentals of the property for appropriate public and private events. Um, the public events include Fiesta Ranchera and Music at the Ranch, for example, and those are operated under city uh, special events permits. Um, the private events generally include weddings, anniversary and birthday parties, and similar celebrations. Um, some time ago, the GVHS requested that the city consider allowing it to hold up to six special um, evening events at the Stowe House. They would be private events. And this would provide the GVHS with additional facility rental income ranging from $300 to $2,000 per event, um, while offering community members uh, a unique venue for having this type of celebration. Um, should council uh, wish to consider granting this request, we have identified several barriers and considerations that we would want to uh, give to you, which are detailed in your staff report. In summary, we would need to first amend the lease as it currently um, uh, does not allow events to go past dusk. Uh, and we'd want to include evening specific requirements in that lease amendment, such as appropriate lighting for the events uh, and other requirements. Second, since the municipal code rule is that parks must close at sunset, uh, we'd need to amend the muni code. Uh, or ask the public works director to establish other hours for that park operation as he deems appropriate, which is an exception under the Muni Code. Uh, third, we'd need to evaluate the impact of the evening events as compared to daytime events on wildlife in and around Lake Los Carneros. Uh, in anticipation of this discussion, we did ask Rincon Consulting to evaluate the impact on biological resources, and that report is included in your staff report. Uh, in summary, given compliance with the existing state and city regulations and requirements, the proposed project would likely not result in significant environmental impacts to any of the resource topics identified in CEQA guidelines appendix G checklist. Sorry, I'm new to this uh, CEQA stuff. Um, and the project could be statutorily or categorically exempt from CEQA. So that's, you can see that in that report. Fourth, you'd need to find that the use was a low-intensity activity, similar to the daytime events, 
um, consistent with our general plan policies, which uh, require that the property be managed primarily as a passive preserve with low-intensity activities allowed near the Stowe House, the historic farm buildings, the Goleta Train Depot, and the South Coast uh, Railroad Museum. And finally, we'd need to evaluate the impacts of the change on neighborhood noise and parking. Um, so our first step in consideration of this request was to figure out what barriers you would need to overcome to move forward so that we could explain them to you and to recommend a path forward should you want to go to the next step. Our recommendation would be for that path forward to include a public outreach process to gather input from neighbors and stakeholders and bring that feedback back to you before you make a final de determination or decision. As we explained in the report, um, this process was likely to involve considerable staff time and it would detract from other council priorities, but we would include this in our upcoming work plan if you want us to prioritize this. With that, I'm happy to answer any questions. We do have staff available, including uh, Ms. Prossi, Ms. Kai. I have uh, George Thompson available remotely, so any of our staff to answer any of your technical questions. We also have Carol Wilson from the Goleta Valley Historical Society here if you have any questions for her about this request. Thank you, Ms. Schmidt. Um, Mayor Pro Tem Richards, like you might want to call on people because I can't see who would like to ask questions. Okay, thank you. Uh, we have Councilmember Kasdan. Yeah, so I uh, know we have this upcoming, the Lake Los Carneros strategic plan upcoming in our work agenda, our work plan for the coming year. And I can understand the frustration of the historical society since they've been seeking something like this for a generation. <laughs> um, but so, what would this? You know, let's say we don't want to have to have a a process here and then a repeat public process. What's the timetable for the for the strategic plan? How how soon? would this be able to be incorporated and rolled out and when would, you know, how would that work? Um, Madam Mayor, Council Member Kasdan, um, the latest that I have on that is that the process is scheduled to start this July 2023, um, but it it is a very extensive process and it, and it would likely not be concluded for two to three years. Three years is probably a reasonable estimate um, for how long it would take before that process was concluded. And would the would the the in other words the entire <clears throat> would it have to be that the entire process that this is included in the in and has to wait for the whole process or could it be part of the public outreach process but it like branches off? I do have Mr. Thompson available. I don't know that I would really need him for this question, though. I, I would say we, you know, that will depend how we design the process, um, and um, we we could conceivably design it in that way if we were directed by council to do so. Um, but um, yeah, so but it would be sort of making a special accommodation to to finish that with the with the whole plan. Thank you. Uh, Councilmember uh, Reyes-Martin. 
Thank you. Uh, maybe this is not necessarily a technical question, but thank you for the very thorough report that outlined the various um, issues that we should consider. One of the questions that came to mind is I know this council recently um, you know, put together a historic landmarks commission. And as part of your analysis of here are the steps that we would have to overcome, would that include going to that body for their input? It, we certainly, if you know, to do a, f we could include that in there. I mean, I, we ha we haven't specifically discussed it, but it does make sense for it to be included in any discussion about the future of the of the Stowe House. Thank you. I think those are like technical questions I have at this point, um, but I'm sure we have public comment um, when we're done with council questions. Okay, uh, Councilmember Cariaco. Thank you, uh, Mayor Pro Tem. Um, yeah, just a, a couple of questions. So um, just a clarifying question to start. So there's already a certain number of events that happen at night. I'm, you know, I'm thinking, for example, Fiesta Ranchera. So would this, would the six events that we're talking about, would these be um, in addition to the total number of special events per year that can go at night? Or is this just kind of increasing the large the total into a larger total that are allowed is it net plus six or now we'll be at six it would be status quo plus six status quo plus six okay and then would there be was there any discussion during this proposal about the time of year that these events would be allowed to take place or was the expectation that they could be any time of year at the discretion of the organization um mayor uh Perotti and um Councilmember Kiriako, I keep forgetting who's Mayor Pro Tem. I apologize. <laughs> um, they, um, they, we are not. We have not discussed limiting it to the summertime. But my uh, understanding from prior conversations is that they would expect that these would mostly happen uh, in the summertime. So May through you know October uh, at the latest. And and I'm going to look and see if yes, I'm getting a nod. <laughs> so then this would be potentially kind of increasing the intensity of use during the quote-unquote busy season when music at the ranch is happening, uh, some of the other events that occur more in the summer getting into the fall? I, I think that's a fair statement. Okay. Um, and I think I can hold off on the rest of my questions till after public comment. Thanks. Uh, thank you. Well, <clears throat> I had some questions of my own. Um, but I, I think for me, uh, mainly it's... Uh, you know, it seems conspicuously absent that there's that the actual request is not included in the report. You know, I think I'd like some more detail about, you know, what it is, like what's their rationale, what's their case. You know, I, I think it was mentioned that they've wanted to do this for years and years. But um, when I look at the report and the record that was presented here, uh, it, it's not really spelled out like what it is that they're asking for, you know, or, or really the rationale. So I, I'm assuming that it has to do with, you know, raising money and, and all that. But I think it would be good to hear, and I know that we have representatives here, so maybe we can wait on that. But I, I guess I'll just put it out there, you know, if, there, if there's anything you can provide or maybe we can hear from them at, at some point tonight. So I guess I'll wait on that then. Um, and then I do see that uh, uh, Mayor Brody's hand is up, and then Stuart Kasdan has a hand up as well. Thank you. Um, I guess I have a few questions on, um, I'm just wondering how 
if it, it's at all possible to try out an event um, in the evening and, um, and, and see how it goes. Um, you know, I, is there any way we could try it out before making changes? That's just one thought. And then also, would we be, if this was to move forward, would we be able to restrict the um, number of people, the number of um, the hour, maybe limit the hour to nine, not 10? Um, how, how much control do we have as a city if we were to move in this direction is my question. Uh, Madam Mayor, you know, this is a negotiation. We don't have to do anything. Um, and so I think that um, in my discussions with the GVHS, they seemed open to, you know, reasonable negotiation over things that, that would mitigate our concerns. Um, and so I do believe that there's opportunity to discuss those with them. And then another question that I have is about monitoring. There was a mention of monitoring noise level and also monitoring um, wandering off into areas where they shouldn't be. Um, would that be up to the city to do that? Or how, you know, is that all something that would have to be worked out and who would pay for that? Um, so that's, that's, that's my question. Madam Mayor, that would not be the city's responsibility. All of that would be the responsibility of the GVHS um, as it is now for their daytime events, but with those additional um, uh, thoughts and concerns about nighttime events. But they would be responsible for um, meeting the terms of their, their lease agreement. Okay. Those are the questions I have right now. Thank you. Councilmember Kasdan. Yeah. It, um you described that the revenue that would be raised was on the order of several hundred dollars up to $2,000 a wedding, which means even at its maximum, what we're talking about is at, at, if it's six events, we're talking $12,000, which is not a lot. And I guess what would the cost for an outreach campaign or, you know, collecting public comment and doing evaluations if we looked at the staff time and so forth? I would imagine it's got to be at least that much. Um, Madam Mayor and uh, uh, Council Member Kazan, I agree. It, it will be uh, an extensive investment of staff time particularly if it were a short-term thing, if, if it were to, you know, go over the long term, then maybe, you know, cost benefit, it, it may get there. Um, uh, but but the, the staff time would be uh, a considerable expense. Um, I do think that the, the, in my discussions with the GVHS, their primary uh, motivation for asking this, while the money would be nice, was that they are turning away, I think, 12 or so requests a year, people away every year who want to have an event at the Stowe House, but really need that to go into the evenings and, and um, they're not able to accommodate those requests. So it, it's mostly from their point of view, um, providing a service to the community is the reason for their request. Oh, okay. So it's not primarily, it's not a financial thing. It's more of a uh, public service thing. I think the money doesn't hurt, but <laughs> yes, I think. Um, okay. That's my, my question. Thank you. Uh, there are no more uh, hands raised, Mayor. Tag team here. Um, do we have any speakers? 
Yes, we do have uh, two paper slips, and if anyone on the Zoom webinar would like to speak, please use the raised hand icon and I will call on you. Our first speaker is Roman Baratek. Hello, good evening. My name is Roman Baratiak. I'm a homeowner in North Galicia. I'm also the program's chair of Santa Barbara Audubon, and for 11 years was the person responsible for programming and hosting the free Friday night summer film program outdoors at the county courthouse. I visit Lake Los Carneros and Stowhouse grounds multiple times a week. I have volunteered with Beautify Galicia to pick up litter at Stowhouse and at the Nature Preserve, and I monitor three open spaces as part of Galicia's Adopt a Park program. I speak as someone who appreciates the good works of the Galita Valley Historical Society. I've attended the Old Time Fiddlers Convention, was at a recent birthday gathering for a one-year-old on the grounds, picnicked with friends under the historic tall trees in the garden and shop at the gift store. Despite all of that, or perhaps because of that, I'm here to urge this city council to reject amendment number four to the lease agreement. The reasons are clearly articulated in the two-page letter that the mayor, city council, and staff received from Santa Barbara Audubon. Evening outdoor activities involving external lighting, sound amplification, increased traffic, possibly porta-potties, and upwards of 50 to 300 attendees, not to mention additional support staff, are incompatible when adjacent to a sensitive and important nature preserve. An event ending at 10 p.m. continues to generate light and noise for an hour or more, uh, for breakdown and loadout, and sound travels much further in the evening. Ever notice how the train sounds significantly louder at night? Artificial light can confuse nocturnal animals and disrupt nocturnal activity by owls, bobcats, coyotes, bats, insects, and rodents. The auditory landscape is also a key component of habitat and human noise and music masks critical sounds. Animals and birds listen for prey, predators, and territorial alarm calls to locate group members and mates. Stowhouse is already available for use 365 days each year during daylight hours. That seems like plenty of opportunities for birthday parties, weddings, and receptions, all of which are private events. The request for six nights is a foot in the door to three to 50 nights referenced in the Rincon Consultants Report. All city parks close at dusk. This is understood and appreciated by the community. There is no need to begin making changes. If the Historical Society needs additional funding, then how about more dollars to them in a block grant from the city? Our birds, wild animals, and natural places are under constant pressure and human encroachment. Let's at least let them have the right have the night. I'm sure their human neighbors in North Galita will also be grateful. You have a nature preserve if you can keep it. Okay, our next speaker is Kristen Miller. Good evening, Mayor Perotti and members of the council. I'm Kristen Miller, President and CEO of the Santa Barbara South Coast Chamber of Commerce. We're here actually to support the idea of allowing evening events at the, um, at the Stowe House, um, as this has been discussed for a very long time. Um, a lot in regard to weddings. We don't have a lot of gathering spaces, uh, particularly for outdoor weddings, 
in Goleta. I don't think anyone's picturing late night ragers at Stowe House. We really just want to be able to uh, have enough outdoor lighting to finish your dinner, have a reception, and be able to get to your car um, on a lighted path. Um, there's been much discussion about farm weddings, wanting to promote that in the area, and this is really the only ideal place to do that where the infrastructure already exists. The Stowhouse has a great reputation for putting on wonderfully good events that are great for the local community and are sensitive to the neighbors and the, and the area, so I think this is a perfect place if we're gonna do any expansion to do that. And even our beloved lemon dinner is difficult to put on um, because of the temporary lighting and having to close early. So uh, we applaud this step forward and ask that you allow them to do it, uh, these evening events. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, our next speaker uh, is a Zoom speaker, Mark Holmgren. If you'll please unmute yourself and you'll have three minutes. Good evening, um, Madam Mayor and council members. Uh, I represent Santa Barbara Audubon on this issue, and we've submitted a letter uh, that you have in your in your possession now. I'm um, also the person who has overseen white-tailed kites for about 35 years in the Goleta area, tracking their uh, habits, their nesting, their success, and uh, locations especially. And um, I've also uh, conducted with other people in Santa Barbara Audubon the breeding bird study. This is a, a, an accumulation of more than 11,000 records of breeding birds in the county. What I've done as pertains to this project is, is made a circle, uh, a polygon around the lease area and slightly uh, outside of that lease area. And I've come up with some rather striking results. There's 35 species of birds that breed within this area immediately adjacent to and within the, um, the lease area. And <clears throat> we have 139 breeding records of these, these uh, species. I could put a chart up that shows you when they're breeding and which species are breeding and the number of breeding events, if that's helpful at this time. Um, the decision to make, uh, to extend party hours into the evening is not a trivial decision. Um, here we have with the addition of lights that would happen, we've got the potential for trucks uh, leaving their engines on, exhaust, noise, placement of generators, uh, and then extended cleanup activities, which may extend beyond 10 p.m. at night. And uh, this requires more than a blanket permission uh, from, the, uh, from the city council. Um, I think that uh, a more thorough examination of this, um, uh, the impacts associated with this are beyond what Rincon could provide to you. And so we'd request, uh, first of all, that you, you turn this down, uh, deny this, but if you are considering this, would you want to consider moving the site of these weddings to the area north of Stowe House in the area where the uh, equipment is, uh, the, the old, um, I don't know what this area is called, you do. Um, and so um, the impacts are strong, are, are great. The uh, opportunities to uh, undo the preserved nature of, of Lake Los Carneros, the um, natural and historic preserve that it is, is immense. And so we'd urge you to turn down this, uh, um, this proposal and encourage the Goleta Valley Historical Society to conduct these uh, extra weddings during the daytime. Thank you. Thank you. And that concludes our speakers. Okay, uh, Mayor Pro Tem, if you would go back to council. 
Thank you. Um, we have Councilmember Kiriako. Just a couple of follow-up questions after public comment, and, and perhaps this is something that the, if staff isn't in a position to answer, maybe the Historical Society folks can answer. Do we have a sense, um, do we have a sense of what part of the property they're looking at? Are they looking at the house, definitely looking at the house, or would they be looking at using the History Education Center? We talked about, you know, birthdays and celebrations, but I don't have a sense if we're talking about primarily the, the part of, you know, the property that's in front of the house, or the main lawn that gets a lot of, lot of work during Fiesta Ranchera, or if we're talking about the Cavaletto History Education Center space, which was just referenced by one of the speakers, which is the area where a lot of the, the older equipment is, and then you have the big barn, and you have the, um, you have the interpretive exhibits that are on wheels and can quickly be moved around to facilitate things like lectures and parties and celebrations. Do we have a sense, and the reason why I'm asking this question is one of the things I'm concerned about is not so much whether or not six events per year there from a noise perspective would be like the straw that broke the camel's back, right? But I am concerned, and I say this as the former executive director of this organization who knows the, the site pretty well, one of the things that tends to happen is the, the grassy areas get a lot of intense use over the summer. Music at the ranch, a lot of other events, and then you kind of have to let it rest for a while. And that tends to happen over the winter months. And so I'm trying to get a sense of if they're looking to use the History Education Center, which is arguably an underutilized asset, or are we looking at more using, uh, definitely using the natural spaces that would have some intensity of use, you know, setting aside for a moment the potential light and noise and other impacts on critters and things. What about, um, I'm, I'm thinking about the asset. Yeah. So is, can someone touch upon that for me? Uh, I am not as familiar with the property as you obviously are, so I, I actually will ask uh, someone from the Historical Society. Carol, do you want to take that one? We're predominantly looking at the lawn area that you were referencing. The ranch yard area, um, because we've never redone that lawn, is really actually not very safe at night. It's just there's a lot of gopher holes, there's a lot of issues that we could run into, even with lighting, and there's a lot of equipment that's somewhat dangerous if people were climbing on or whatever, particularly in the dark. So that's not an area that we really are considering for evenings. We're, we're talking about the lawn area where we would do the music and where we've done Fiesta Ranchera for many years. I know the mayor mentioned doing a trial of an event. We've been doing that for many years. We've been doing Fiesta Ranchera out there as an evening event. And to my knowledge, there haven't been any issues or problems with that up to now. So. Um, and you're right, we do let that area rest over the winter. You know, not very many people want to do an evening outdoor winter wedding. So that's not a time when we anticipate a huge demand for weddings. We're, we're looking at really about an hour and a half of additional time. Sunset's about 8.30 in the summer. We're looking at going to 10. So it's not a huge amount of time. Yes, there's cleanup, but there's cleanup at 8.30 to 9.30 when we have an 8.30 event. Um, and also, since I'm up here, I'll just address the, our, our main purpose for doing this is to provide a venue. Right now, I think Glen Annie Golf Course is maybe the only other outdoor venue there is for weddings in Goleta. I can't think of any others, um, you know, for a wedding of maybe 200 people. 
And so that's our main reason, but also the income is important. I don't want to downplay that for us. You know, $12,000 is, is a lot of money. That's more than one of our staff members' salaries. So, you know, it, it is significant to us, but also there's a revenue increase for the city. When someone comes to a wedding from Los Angeles and they come up to Santa Barbara and the wedding's over at eight, they go home. But if the wedding's over at 10, they spend the night here in a hotel. We're talking a bed tax here. We're talking spending money at a restaurant in the morning for breakfast. So there is some increased usage and people come and they stay for the weekend because Santa Barbara is a great place to come and stay for the weekend. So, so we see this as bringing people into the community and keeping them here as well. So, so it's a plus for us, but we also feel like it would be a plus for the city as far as bringing people into Goleta. So as long as I got you, just a, sure. a, a quick follow-up. So one of the things that's in the packet of materials here is if we were going to elect to go forward in some capacity here, there would be like outreach and community conversation mm -hmm. and all those things we love to do here in Goleta. We love Absolutely. our processes. Um, so my question to you is in advance of coming to us, was there any outreach? I mean, did you do a petition drive? Did you have meetings with any community stakeholders? Or are you kind of like coming to us and then- You're our first step. You're our first step. Okay. <laughs> we came to you first, because if you're, if you're an absolute no, there's no point in doing all of that. If you're a maybe, then yes, we'll definitely go out and do that. Um, we're happy to talk to the community. We want this to be a cooperative venture with the community. We feel like we're the gathering place for the community. We really do feel like Stowhouse and Rancho La Patera is a place where the community can come. They come for the weekends. They come to the ranch yard. They come to the music events. They they come to 4th of July, they hang out there, and we're kind of that place for the community. So we see this as a community endeavor. Thank so, you. Mm -hmm. Any other questions while I'm here? Okay. Uh, no, uh, no other hands at this moment. Oh, Councilmember Kasdan. Well, this is sort of more on the deliberation side of things, if we have no other questions so hearing none so it's I guess it it sounds like there's a lot of things that need to be worked out a lot of uh, elements that need to be thought out and those are you know the environmental impacts as we heard uh, but also the nature of how many people per event um, the timing of events the number of events that rather than necessarily what it sounds like a pilot or something that was proposed to sort of really think through what makes sense. You know, is it we spread them out to, con, you know, avoid the trampling of the grass or something like that? Can we sort of to really think through how this would work? So I guess my suggestion would be that we maybe in the context, probably in the context of the strategic planning process to kind of really flesh out what it would look like and bring the public in to, to have it as part of the discussion. So I say this without prejudice, in a sense, against the notion of doing this, because I concur with uh, the Chamber of Commerce and others as far as that, that there is a value to weddings for the community. We just have to keep it in the, at least for me, bring it into the fold and have it thought through and have it be uh, fully fleshed out. And since we have a strategic planning process about to unfold, it just seems like that's the appropriate venue for me. So those are my thoughts. 
Thank you. Um, Councilmember Reyes-Martin. Thank you. Um, I have just a couple of comments, and then I think we'll have more deliberation. Um, I think, first off, I think there's wide agreement that the Goleta Valley Historical Society is a wonderful community partner. I completely agree that they have a stellar reputation. So it's not, for me, it's not about any lack of confidence in um, the, the historical society to do a good job, to listen to our input, to listen to concerns. I think what's really difficult is to try to um, say, move forward with this in the absence of, of community input. And I know that, you know, you don't want to go there unless you have kind of some direction from us, but it feels a little bit like the cart before the horse. Um, I, I think the barriers are significant um, to get there, um, to amend the lease, to change the municipal code, the considerable staff time. Um, when we are talking about a maximum of six events with some really unclear for me potential negative impacts to both the hab surrounding habitat, to residents, um, to noise, um, it just feels like that's a that's not an even trade-off potentially. Um, and so that gives me a lot of hesitation to say I'm okay with moving forward. Um, I, I had not considered, you know, including this discussion as part of the Lake Los Car Carnero strategic plan. I would certainly be open to that. Um, I don't know how that fits in. Um, if it does, I would definitely want input from the Historic Preservation Commission. Um, so that's where I am now. I don't know that I would necessarily, at this point, with the information I have, um, be supportive of, of, of moving forward with this request. Thank you. Uh, Mayor Prodi. Well, um, Council, Council Member uh, Reyes-Martin captured <laughs> pretty much everything I was going to say. Um, it, it's a gem in our backyard, and it's such a beautiful place. And for me, we all want it to stay that way. And I think what really um, struck me was the fact that um, the Audubon's a letter and, you know, it's it needs to be protected. The wildlife definitely we've um, we've taken up a lot of, um, of their land <laughs> and developed. And this is one place where they can go. And, um, and it's amazing. It's really an incredible place. And um, yes, it'd be beautiful to have weddings there. I think my own daughter, I know my own daughter wanted to get married there, uh, but chose not to because it wasn't in the evening. So, um, but she found another place and it was beautiful. But um, so I, I, I don't know what we're trying to fix here, but I would agree that um, it, it should go to, uh, we should look at the outreach to the public, the historical um, preservation committee and, um, and, and somehow um, work it into the strategic, our strategic plan. But I, I wouldn't want to move forward with it right now. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'll jump in here. Uh, you know, I'll echo some of the comments that we've just heard. I, I also uh, appreciate and value the work of the uh, the Goleta Valley Historic Society. I've, um, you know, I think they're great stewards of, of our historical uh, record of the history of Goleta, uh, as well as good stewards of the actual uh, Stowe House and the facilities that, that are there. Um, I personally attend, you know, many of the events that are out there, the old time uh, Fiddler's Convention, uh, Fiesta Ranchera, the 
concerts um, in the uh, out there on Tuesdays in the summer. Um, many other events, you know, and it's a gem. It's a it's it's a great venue to be um, in community, to be there with other people in Goleta for visitors. Uh, and I could see that it would it would be very successful as a as a wedding venue or a party venue of of other sort. Um, but I I can't ignore the fact that. Uh, you know, there's a great biological, ecological, you know, sensitive habitat that's right there, and I am concerned about um, interrupting that or compromising that in any way. You know, as was mentioned, you know, we have so few uh, preserves in our area, and, and the habitat has just dwindled over time, and so I feel like we need to preserve what little we have left. And so, yeah, I, I think for me, um, you know, I, I would definitely, you know, like to hear more about what the public feels, and I think that's what's missing here. Um, I, you know, I don't really feel like we've heard, we've had a, a couple, a, a neighbor uh, in the area, and we've heard from the Audubon Society, um, but we haven't had a lot of other uh, uh, neighborhood input, and, and certainly that would be a big part of it, but the way I understand it is that if we decide to, to do that, it would be at significant expense for the city um, to do an outreach program for, uh, for us to, um, have workshops and to do education and to you know and time and, and in terms of our staff and what resources that would be. So I, I'm I'm very torn. I, on the one hand, I would like to learn more. I would like to to have that robust process. But on the other hand, I know it's a, a you know a, an expense, and I'm not sure. You know, I I'm not sure. I'm I'm, I'm enough on the fence right now that I don't know that I want to go through all that. You know, if if we're just going to end up uh, saying no in the end. So I'm not really. So I'm kind of torn. So at, at this moment, I'd like to hear more comments. So uh, I see Councilmember Kiriako. Uh, thank you, uh, Mayor Pro Tem. So uh, you know, just a, a few kind of random thoughts as they pop into my head um, and in no particular order. Um, the, the comments about incorporating this proposal for six additional evenings per year into a Lake Los Carneros master planning process, that doesn't work for me. I think that you have Rancho La Patera and Stowe House, and that's its own little area, and it has its own history and its own use types, and then you have more of the preserve, and that's getting over to the lake, the trails, and all of that. And I think that if we start bringing the operations of Stowhouse into birding and trails and, and habitat and all of that, that takes us down a road where I could see us having a recommendation that we stop events at Stowhouse. And I don't know if that would be an especially positive outcome to then have to talk about that. And I realize this is a hypothetical argument. I'm not trying to make headlines or anything, but it concerns, going down that road concerns me. Um, that being said, to me, I agree with Councilmember Reyes-Martin, and I also want to acknowledge this is her city council district, and that's something we all kind of need to get used to. There's times when we're all one city and we all love the Stowe House, but at the end of the day, they're hurt, they're, they're, the neighbors, she reports to them in a, in a different kind of way than the rest of us do now. So I want to be sensitive to that. Um, for me, I... I do feel there's a cart before the horse element to this. I would have expected to have seen, yeah, we talked to some of the neighbors, we talked to the church that's across the street because they're the ones that provide the parking, and we've got this petition that's been signed by 50 people that live on Cambridge and some of the surrounding streets. 
rather than kind of putting it on the city to conduct and manage an outreach process, which then gets us into the whole, well, should we just fold it into Lake Los Carneros thing? So I, I want to keep those separate. I feel like the proper way to go for this would be the, the Historical Society, an organization I adore and have tons of respect for and, and support and have volunteered and will continue to. I, I think the proper process here is they should go back out, they should decide as an organization, do we want to engage with the community about this because this is important to us? If the answer to that question is yes, then is six the right number? Is it a bigger number? Is it a smaller number? Hone in on what's important to you and why. I didn't know until tonight that you were really looking at spring and summer like during wedding season. For all I knew going into tonight's hearing, this would have been like, oh, we want to try and make more revenue consistently during the quieter months, and this is a vehicle for us to do it. So having those kind of answers ahead of time as opposed to learning it tonight in the dice, it, it makes it harder for me to green light something like this. Um, I do think there is you know, a modest economic development impact associated with a few more nights where you could have a wedding, um, although it, you know, arguably you could still have just as many weddings but just have more weddings and receptions. I don't want to get into the whole business model of how your rentals work, but I think you know where I'm going. So you know, my inclination would be to respectfully suggest that you kind of rehuddle, decide what you want to do, and if you want to do some outreach, come back to us and show that you've talked to the community and you believe there's community support for it, and then we can make the determination of what's the best way to execute that which you're requesting. So that would, that's really where I'm at right now, but um, I, I want to kind of hear more from where um, Council Member Reyes Martinez coming down because this is her district and I'm going to weigh her thoughts very strongly here. Councilmember Kasdan. Yeah, so uh, two things. So first, I don't think it's appropriate to, have, to put the outreach on the applicants uh, that we want, if we do the, if we want to know what people are thinking, we have to have a process that, that uh, ensures that we're getting a good survey, a good sample, and having them produce a petition of people that like it. We'd, it's... Uh, not a good process. It's also not, you know, adequate to evaluate the impacts. If we're just looking at a petition of local people, we need to understand the impacts on the environment as well, for instance. We just heard from Audubon their concerns. Uh, so I think we need a robust process of evaluating the impacts of it. And I think it's appropriate to incorporate it in the strategic plan and there's two reasons I would suggest that. Um, and number one, I believe that's where they were going. I don't know if George Thompson is around, but my understanding was that they were already thinking of it as part of the broader site. And so since we have an outreach process that we're planning on that's going to consider how we use this broader site, it makes sense to include it so we get the public's views on how they want these things administered, what they want to, to see. Uh, the, so I don't know that we necessarily have to make that judgment at this point. We could ask, um, you know, we need to essentially have George kind of evaluate it and perhaps come back to us at a t whether it makes sense from his perspective, from public works perspective to incorporate it. 
But uh, anyway, I'll leave, uh, uh, my view is we should incorporate it, but I'd like to hear what staff has to say, whether that is a good idea, whether the, that is the appropriate venue to do it. Uh, thanks. Madam Mayor, I do have George Thompson uh, available remotely if you did want to have him weigh in. Um, I, I think that would be a great idea. Okay. Please. Madam Mayor, maybe let me go first, okay. and then George can maybe fill in between my lines. Uh, we're happy to do it either way. Uh, I'll just start with that. Um, we could go either way. As, as um, Ms. Smith indicated, the, the process for um, the plan for Los Canaros Park is potentially a two-to-three-year pro uh, two three process. Uh, if we were to do it separately, uh, we've kind of already acknowledged um, the differences. It would certainly be faster, but we're happy to do it either way. Good evening, Mayor and Council. I'm uh, calling in remotely. I hope the audio is okay. Um, the initial plan for the update of the master plan does include both the Goleta Valley Historical Society lease area as well as the South Coast Railroad Museum area. And just want to point out that it's not a uh, master plan development from scratch. So we are taking the master plan that we inherited from the county. Uh, that process went through an EIR. Uh, we are updating that. And obviously the community engagement process is key to our update. Um, the nexus for including the Stowhouse area and the Railroad Museum is really uh, several fold, but parking, uh, fire issues, uh, restroom, um, general public access, and then of course habitat. Uh, although those are lease areas, um, as one of the speakers noted, we do have whitetail kites nesting right on the lease area above the stowhouse and, and one of the uh, heritage trees there. And so um, our outset in the, in the update is really to include the entire area. Thank you. Okay, uh, Council Member Reyes Martin. Thank you. I, I appreciate all the diverse perspectives <laughs> on this topic because I think it's a it's a rich discussion. Um, I you know the, it's new information to consider. You know whether this should be something to go with the the Lake Los Corneros Master Plan. I think that could generate some certainly public comment about. Um, you know, what the surrounding neighborhoods and greater community think about this. Um, I don't think it is too much to ask for the Historical Society to do some outreach um, or to do some public, um, you know, community engagement on the topic. Um, going back to Mayor Pro Tem Richards, you know, the staff report we have doesn't include a formal request or a letter from the Historical Society that, you know, outlines how, you know, the why, what you've done to get to the number, you know, kind of that kind of background and context would have been really helpful. Um, and that could have included, you know, we've, we've talked with the surrounding neighbors, we've, you know, sent a letter to the neighborhood and gotten input or something like that. I think that would have been really helpful. And I, I don't think that's too much um, to ask. I think it's a considerable lift for staff um, if we wanted to, to, to move in that direction. Um, so I, I still don't feel comfortable at this point, you know, green lighting this 
at, with this information, I'm open to, you know, perhaps including it in the um, overall master plan as a consideration for community input, but we're not agendized to talk about that either, so um, I still at this point don't feel like I have enough to say I'm comfortable moving forward. Oh, I'm sorry, Mayor Brody. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting my turn. Um, you know, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, I am worried about, I think it's, I, I don't, I'm feeling like we shouldn't move forward with this tonight. Um, I think there's more information, obviously, that's needed. Um, I think um, putting, I still feel like putting it in with a strategic uh, master plan is, is not a bad idea. Um, and also, I agree with uh, Council Member uh, Reyes Martin on. I don't think it's too much to ask of the Historical Society to do some outreach. Um, I'm afraid to put too much to rush this through and to put too much on staff. I'm wondering what priorities that they have now that we've encouraged them uh, to get through. What what would have to be um, taken off that list of to do? if they move this forward quickly. Um, I guess that's my question to staff. It's like, you have a lot on your list of priorities and this would sounds like it would be pretty involved. Um, so I, I'm not sure I wanna ask staff to do anything quickly at this point in time, um, other, except to know what, what would come off the list, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, Madam, Madam Mayor, I'll, I'll perhaps take a, a first stab at that question. Um, currently, we have a vacancy in the Parks and Open Space Division. Uh, that position is an environmental services specialist, and we're going to be recruiting, filling that position. We anticipate by the start of the new fiscal year in July, that individual will be um, settled in their position and will be the lead person on moving the master plan update forward. Um, and so in terms of, you know, taking items off the list, we're already programming uh, that staff person to take the lead on this um, right off the bat, releasing a request for proposals, heavy uh, public engagement process. We've already started some of that process, um, met with stakeholders such as Audubon, the board of the Galita Valley Historical Society, the South Coast Railroad Museum presented to our Park and Rec Commission. So we've started the foundation, but this new staff person would really take the lead. And so in terms of answering your question, we wouldn't be taking things off the list. We would just be moving uh, your priorities forward. Well, that's good to hear. And it's also really good to hear all the children in the background. I love it. <laughs> and Madam Mayor, just to, to add a comment to that. So um, Mr. Thompson came from the perspective of the master plan for the park, which as indicated, is set to start around July 1st of this year and could take two to three years. Uh, so that process is not affected. He just indicated they're set to move. If the council went the other way and said, don't attach it to the master plan, and I'm just picking a number out of the air here, I'm probably wrong, maybe it would take six months. So clearly a faster process if we detach the two. And then I think the mayor's question is, is more relevant um, because then we would have to say, okay, this is new. Uh, let's decide how to take this on. 
I don't think I can give an answer right here on the spot, but as you know, if we take this on, um, yeah, it, something else has to be sacrificed. Either we come in with our work plans, put this on the work plan, show something else that either can't get done or, or is delayed, or, or everything slows down a little bit. So that's, I'm just restating the phenomenon that you all are aware of. Um, so we don't have a specific what would get dropped at this point, um, but we would, if we were directed, we would add it, and when we bring the work plans back in May, you would see it, and we would at that time be able to show you like what, what might be suffering. Any other well, questions, uh, Madam Mayor? No, I'm just uh, I tried to figure out how to wrap this up. It, it, I'm trying to figure out. Uh, I, I, it sounds to me like, I, if I'm hearing it correctly, um, maybe now's not the time to move this forward. Or I, I, please um, help me figure Madam out. Madam Mayor, uh, perhaps yeah. I could suggest that if you decide not to move forward at this time. I think our next step would be to come back within the context of the Lake Los Carneros master plan and ask you again at that point if you would like to include the consideration of night uh, evening events um, uh, in that process. Uh, but we would we would not move forward right now. We would come back and ask again at the time that we're moving forward with the Lake Los Carneros master plan. And maybe in the meantime, also the historical society can do their own outreach for the community and see uh, gather some information uh, as well. A thought, uh, Madam Mayor, I'll, I have a few comments, and I think I'll just add that you know I at this point I'm kind of leaning forward uh, with that uh, suggestion that we added into the uh, Lake Los Carneros master plan update, um, and another reason that we hadn't really talked about was that. You know, I think it kind of opens the door to the South Coast Railroad Museum, which is right next door. And so this could be a way of uh, adding that to the larger discussion about, you know, what kind of events may be in that area, what would be acceptable for the neighborhood, what impacts they'll have on the, the um, uh, environment there. And I think, it's, I think it would make sense to have a, a larger discussion about that. So I, I think for that reason, I would be in favor of hearing uh, staff's recommendation about how that could be included. And I'm not thinking there's a motion needed on this draft uh, staff has direction. Yes, thank you. If you do not wish to take um, any action, we don't need a motion. So we'll consider that our direction, our general direction. Councilmember uh, Reyes-Martin. I'll just add, I concur with um, the comment from you and Mayor Prodi. I think that's a good way forward. Thank you. Any other comments? No. I see you. <laughs> okay, uh, Councilmember Cariaco. Against my better judgment, I'm going to make a comment. It just um, it seems like a lot, potentially a really long time to wait for the intensity of the increase in use that they're requesting. Um, I, I'm not gonna oppose what's being done here, but I, I would say that um, it just, it seems like a lot of squeeze for very little juice to make them wait that long to maybe someday, three years plus five months from now, if we vote for something at a future date, to then 
be able to ask for more events. Um, it, that being said, you know, I, I think we've we've heard. I think I, I think I can see where we're going here, and um, there are there are real impacts here. Um, there's parking impacts. There's traffic impacts. Um, the voice of the neighborhood is absent. Uh, and that's ultimately, at the end of the day, why I can go along with this, is because of that, that, the absence of those voices and the, the concerns that I raised. But uh, it just, it just, it's unfortunate that it's gonna take so long <laughs> to maybe get somewhere. Okay, are we ready to move on to the next item? There are no hands at this moment. Okay. Thank right. you very much. Thank you. Um, uh, if the clerk could please read item B2 into the record. Yes, that is the approval of bid documents, including plans and specifications, and a word of construction contract for the Galita Valley Community Se Center Seismic Retrofit Project, DR4308, CIP number 9067. Thank you. Okay, Mr. Four. Good evening, Madam Mayor. I'm going to. David, can you tell me, did I get the right screen? Uh, no, we cannot, we cannot see your screen. Are you able okay. to share your screen? How about that? Uh, no, we cannot see your screen. <coughs> well, How about that? Looks good. Okay. All right. Good evening, Madam Mayor, Council Members. I'm Matt Four. I'm the General Services Director. And we're here to ask for your consideration to award the construction contract for the seismic retrofit project at the Galita Community Center. I'm here representing our project team. Um, we have several members. Uh, Melissa Angeles, engineer with Public Works. Dwayne Plummer, who's the Parks and Rec Manager, who's also managing the Goleta Valley or the Goleta Community Center. And then also with you in chambers as well as Mr. Ed Wimmer, a consultant with Project Partners who has been helping us greatly um, move this project along. So we're all familiar with the Goleta Community Center. There's been a lot of discussion about this property over the last couple of years. Um, staff gave a fairly comprehensive update to council back in August of 2021 on a number of projects related to the community center, um, the seismic project, the seismic retrofit that was needed, and also a series of Americans with Disabilities Act uh, improvements that are required as a result of this uh, seismic project. So just by way of background, uh, in 2013, the city commissioned a seismic evaluation of the Goleta Community Center and the report found two deficiencies 
One is uh, inadequate connection between the roof and the walls and between the walls and the floor. And then also uh, improper, what they call uh, roof sheathing, which is the lateral plane that distributes load across the roofing system. And those two things will be uh, remedied by this uh, seismic improvement project that's before you today. Because of these two concerns, in February of 2021, the, the city's building official closed the auditorium and the dining room in the main community center until the building could be made seismically stable. So once we're done with this project, uh, the immediate impact will be we'll be able to reopen uh, those two uh, very popular and historically uh, very used rooms. The city then commissioned an engineering firm, Home Structures, to develop plans and specifications for the seismic improvement. We came to your council in September of 2022, requesting your authorization to advertise the bid based upon uh, those plans and specs that were uh, developed by homes. And so we've conducted that bidding process and we're back here to um, award the contract. The scope of work, what, you know, this is going to be a bit of a flyover in terms of presentation. The main theme of this work, what you're going to hear is we're going to uh, improve the connectivity between the roof and the walls and between the walls and the floor so that in the event of a seismic event, no single portion of the building is moving independently of the other. Everything moves together um, and therefore makes the, uh, the entire building uh, much more stable. So we will be, uh, you can see uh, in this, we will be uh, uh, connecting, uh, better connecting the roof and the walls together. Uh, this is the auditorium, same thing. We'll be improving this connection between the roof and the walls. Same with the floors, um, connecting the walls to the floor. It's really, it's kind of funny. It's, uh, it's kind of the same theme and you'll just see over and over that we are increasing the, uh, uh, the integrity of these, these vital connections that make the building um, seismically stable. Of great concern to, to the city, to the city council, to the public at large are the, the very um, important uh, elements of the Goleta Community Center, like the wall murals, like the historic photos and things like that. And so uh, everybody can rest assured that um, the contractor is required to protect these elements, to protect these well, to remove them from the site, um, or in the case of the mural, to protect it from, from damage. So it's top of mind to us. We've made it very, very clear to the contractor and to our construction manager who will be on site during the construction process to make sure that um, these elements of really historic high value to the city are protected. Uh, we conducted a, a bid process like we do with uh, all other public works projects. And as I mentioned in September of last year, we came to you and asked for your authorization to advertise the bid. We did that. We opened the bid period on November 9th of, um, I should say 2022, sorry about that. Um, but we did all the proper noticing. We published the, the bid invitation in the Santa Barbara Independent. We posted on the city's website. And we advertised the bid opportunity on Planet Bids, which is the city's online uh, e-portal for solicitations. 
On November 29th, we had a mandatory pre-bid conference, do a walkthrough with all the potential bidders um, and made sure everybody understood the scope of the project and, and some other things um, like protecting the murals, the artwork, keeping the driveway open for bus passage and things like that. On December 19th, we opened the bids and what we're here today asking for your authorization to award the contract to the apparent low responsive and responsible bidder, uh, Edwards Construction Group Incorporated. We have reviewed Edwards bid package. We conducted a substantial amount of due diligence uh, on their work on other projects and their bid amount of about 3.8 million is in line with the engineer's estimate for the project. In terms of the project financing, the total project cost of so going back and capturing the design phases uh, all the way through construction, we're estimating about 5.3 million between construction and contingency and cons uh, con construction management, that's roughly 5 million. So of the total project cost, the lion's share is yet to be expended. And as you can see from this table, we have the budget for the project. We, we currently have about $7.6 million for the project. There are two funding sources for this project. Uh, there, are, there primarily is a uh, FEMA hazard mitigation grant that the city applied for and received uh, several years ago. And the city put up its initial general fund share as a match to that grant. Um, and as part of the budget process for this current fiscal year, council had allocated some additional funding toward this project if needed. Uh, we wanna give a special thanks to FEMA uh, for not just the initial funding, but also for working with the city and, and, and lots of thanks to uh, Congressman Carbajal's office for assisting us in securing not only the funding, but also an extension to the grant until May of 2024. But the take home message is uh, we are fully funded for this project. So in terms of timeline and next steps, there are some pieces that I can speak about with confidence and then some other things that are not uh, completely dependent upon the city. Um, and will and we'll be up to the contractor to complete. The, the things that we can say with confidence are from the moment that the city issues the notice to proceed to the contractor, we have outlined a 90-day construction period to get the work done. So it's fairly rapid. Um, there are some uh, preceding steps to that notice to proceed that upon uh, award of the contract is should council opt to award the contract this evening. The contractor will get busy with its various submittals to the city that we will review and approve. They will give us their submittals for materials and things that the architect will have to approve and then they can make their order for raw materials. City staff also got the building permit application as far as we possibly could. We, we took the designs, we took them all the way through plan check as far as we could. There was one element that's remaining. That is a sign off by the uh, air pollution control district related to asbestos removal that the city could not perform on behalf of the contractor. That has to do with means and methods that the contractor chooses to employ. So the contractor will have to get that sign off from the air pollution control district, and then they will have their building permit in hand. 
The only other uh, caveats to the construction timeline, you know, we said this when we brought the construction contract for the gas piping replacement. Every time we open a hundred year old building, sometimes we don't know what we're going to find. So there could be some additional delays just because of the aged building and some unknowns. Um, a, a, additional asbestos removal beyond what we surveyed, for example. And initially we were keeping our eye on supply chain disruptions. It sounds like those are beginning to wane and not be as much of a headwind um, as they were even six months ago when we were contemplating the construction timeline. So with that uh, summary, there are three recommendations for council. Uh, one is to approve the bid documents, including the, the plans and specifications for the project, to authorize the city manager to execute the construction contract with Edwards Construction Group, and then finally to authorize uh, contract contingency change order authority for us um, if necessary. And with that, I can take uh, your questions. Thank you. Councilmember Kiriako. Uh, thank you, Mayor Portem. Um, and thank you for the excellent uh, report. This is really, really thorough and really clear. Uh, the, the one question I have is just, um, can you get, give me a better sense from a sequencing perspective, what, what would be the anticipated delay as of what we know at this point uh, before, between when the, this project would be completed, we get through the 90-day construction, uh, at what point would we then go into the ADA project? I don't want to get too far off agenda here because we're not noticed for the ADA discussion. Uh, but I just want to get a sense of what is the, the estimated realistic uh, disruption for, um, for the public, given that um, there are some significant spaces here that have been unavailable to the public since uh, early 2021. Madam Mayor, Councilmember Kiriako, with regard to the ADA project, we are well within, we, we, we have already begun work in earnest on the ADA project. So we are not starting from scratch. Um, we have many of the design elements already completed. The path of travel, for example, from the parking lot to the front, the redesign of the railings, the uh, remodel of the restrooms, um, design of the stage lifts in the auditorium and the dining room. Those things are completed. There are a couple things that are left to be, to be designed. One of those is, and it's substantial, but it's also a significant improvement. And that is a replacement of the sewer lateral that serves the community center. And as you're aware, that's a chronic problem. And so, you know, we are increasing flows to the restroom or from the restroom, and we will have a sewer lateral that will now be able to support those. The other piece of the design that's remaining is, and we're, you know, to be honest, we're still understanding what this means, is that the Goleta Community Center, along with other city facilities, was recently listed as a city historic resource. That will require some additional uh, design elements you know, from a historic material sort of standpoint. Um, and it will, it also adds an overlay to environmental review, which is going to uh, include not only CEQA from the state of California level, but also NEPA, because this is funded from a federal grant, the community project funding 
um, source that um, Congressman Carbajal helped to deliver to the city. So we are making our way through design. Um, we will need to commence and complete environmental review and then do the work of putting the specifications packed together and, and those things. So I don't have an, um, a firm timeline yet, just to say that we are sometime out. The one thing that I will also tell you is in relation to putting pieces of the facility back into use, I don't think that the ADA project is going to be nearly as disruptive as the seismic project. The seismic project closed the entire building um, in two phases. In one, because it was seismically unstable, and then also it needs to be completely closed during construction. From the ADA standpoint, much of the work is outside the building in the walkways and the right-of-ways and the sidewalks. Um, and to the extent that the restrooms are going to be shut down, we are, I won't commit to this, but we're looking at the opportunity or the options of providing temporary restrooms so that other pieces of the building can still be in use. Okay, but I'll have more to come on that as we, as we develop the project. Thank you, really appreciate those answers. No other hands at this moment. Do we have any uh, speakers from the public? If anyone within the Zoom webinar would like to speak to this item, please use the raised hand icon and I will call on you. And I'm seeing none, Mayor. Thank you. Okay, ready for deliberation or a motion? Councilmember Member Thank you. Yeah, it's just uh, what struck me is the juxtaposition that right now in the news we're talking about 8,000 people or something uh, in Turkey and Syria dead from uh, a, an earthquake. And it really makes it the, uh, the potential for doing something about it to avoid some terrible thing happening to us. Um, it, it's great that we have that opportunity. So if it's... Uh, if we're ready, I'm happy to make a motion. Councilmember Kiriakou. Uh, thank you, Mayor, for time. Um, I just I want to thank staff for their hard and diligent and persistent work on this. This has been a, a longstanding um, issue that we've been dealing with for a number of years. And um, I'm just pleased to see our city uh, leadership really stepping into our, our responsibilities and our accountabilities as it relates to being responsible stewards of this historic building, uh, not just because it's a building that is in <laughs> of itself meritous, but because it's such a vital part of the Old Town community and the city of Goleta as a whole. And so um, I'm just pleased to be able to uh, support going forward and I'm happy to make a motion as well or Council Member Kasdan can make it, does not matter to me. If you'd like to make a motion, go ahead. I was just being I don't Order. know if there's other speakers. Not at this time. Okay. Uh, well, then I'm, I'm happy to make a motion that we approve uh, bid documents, including plans and specifications for the Goleta Valley Community Center uh, seismic retrofit project and authorize the city manager to execute a construction contract uh, with Edwards Construction Group in Incorporated for the Goleta Valley Community Center seismic retrofit project 
and the not to exceed amount of $3,801,596 subject to the requirements of the contract documents and uh, authorize the city manager to approve contract contingency change orders if necessary for the Gated <laughs> Valley Community Center seismic retrofit project in an amount not to exceed $950,400 to cover cost increases that may result from contract change orders for extra work. I'll second. Sorry. Council Member Castle, I think he may have been the third. <laughs> it's like Can we get a roll call vote? Councilmember Kasdan. Aye. Councilmember Reyes Martin. Aye. Councilmember Kiriako. Aye. Mayor Pro Tempo Richards. Yes. And Mayor Perotti. Aye. Ayes have it unanimous. Great. Yay, moving forward. And that takes us to item B3, which is the 2023. 2025 strategic plan update. Madam Mayor, I can do a, a quick introduction why Thank Ryan you. and Shannon are setting up. Thank you. Uh, so the item before you is the strategic plan 2023 through 2025. This is something uh, that we do every two years in, in cycle with our two-year budget. Um, so what's before, they're going to make a presentation shortly. Um, but what's before you, of course, is a staff report that um, goes into some detail on all the things, items that were deleted items that were completed uh, in the last two years. And then I think they were labeled quite well um, when there's items that are new that are being added. And so uh, Ryan and Shannon will take you through a, a PowerPoint. Uh, it is our intention to allow you as much time as you need to, to talk about strategic planning. It's very important. We only do it every two years. Um, but they're ready to make changes tonight if uh, the council says, hey, let's add this to the plan. Um, let's add that. Um, we're happy to do that. Again, you get we get another kind of bite at this apple when we come back with our work plans and then the budget. But this is the highest level kind of strategy plan where we get your direction so we can then put our work plans together and put the budget together for next year. So we're we're ready to take all that input tonight. And if you get to that point, Ryan can then read back to the council. Hey, I got your changes, and and we would then recommend moving forward tonight. If by chance um, there's um, lots of deliberation or requests for changes and we see that you know, they're starting to get significant, um, we did hedge our bet and we picked out a date in the future that this item could come back, whether it be a, a regular council meeting or a special one. So we have that in our hip pocket, um, but we're ready based on what we hear tonight um, uh, if it's the council's desire to move ahead and approve the strategic plan. So with that, I'll turn it over to Brian and Shannon. Thank you, City Manager, uh, Mr. Nisbet. Uh, so good evening, Mayor and Council Members. Ryan Kintz here, friendly face, Assistant to the City Manager. I'm also joined by uh, Shannon Kern, our Management Analyst in the City Manager's Office. And tonight we're excited to present to you the 2023-2025 Strategic Plan. Uh, Shannon and I uh, thoroughly enjoy working on this plan, so we, we really are excited to present it to you. 
So in preparation for this plan, um, the staff conducted a review of the 2021-2023 strategic plan. And as, as Mr. Nisbet mentioned, we are proposing updates tonight that reflect completed work, that reflect uh, updated priorities and current issues that the city is uh, addressing, and new direction from the city council. So the purpose of this item tonight, as Mr. Nisbet mentioned, is for the city council to review and discuss those proposed changes <coughs> and then um, provide feedback to us if you have any and we can uh, make those changes on the fly tonight. So for tonight's staff agenda, real quick, uh, we're gonna just do a high level summary of the city's two-year strategic plan, um, which will include outlining what the strategic plan is and its purpose. Uh, we will highlight the city's vision statement, the city's overarching citywide initiatives, and then we will open it up to the council for questions and feedback. And then I also just wanna mention that should the council have detailed questions, about items in the strategic plan. We are also joined tonight by our department directors so they can provide answers. So the city's two-year strategic plan is what I like to call the city's plan of all plans. It is the city's highest level of a strategy document, as Mr. Nisbet mentioned, and it outlines where the city's resources will be going for the next two years. All other more specific plans, such as the Creek and Watershed Management Plan or the Economic Development Strategic Plan, they're embedded in this plan. So this is really the, the parent plan uh, of which all other plans um, are in. So what is the plan? So the City of Goleta Strategic Plan, it's a guiding policy resource, and it's driven by the city's vision statement, which I'll uh, go over in a moment, and it identifies the priorities and goals of the organization, and it really serves as a roadmap uh, uh, for the purpose of informing future, future decision-making um, and also for the city's budget allocations. The strategic plan also serves as a tool for accountability and transparency to the Goleta community, and it outlines the city's efforts to meet those community needs. The plan covers a two-year period that Mr. Nisbet mentioned, and it runs concurrently with our two-year budget plan to keep current with the city's priorities. And this ensures the document continues to be dynamic and reflective of the goals of the current city council and the Goleta community. And the plan also assists staff in developing the budget and annual work programs, which we'll be bringing to the council um, in May. So this balances the identified objectives with available funding and staff resources. So as a quick refresher, uh, what is Goleta's vision statement? So here it is before you. Uh, basically, this vision statement, it describes the community, its key attributes, and its values, and it reads as, fo as follows. Goleta is a beautiful, safe, and diverse community of residents with family-friendly neighborhoods that bios the environment, agriculture, and open space while encouraging housing, recreation, and business opportunities. So this really is the overarching statement that really guides the rest of the plan. So in addition, the plan articulates nine overarching strategies, or sorry, initiatives, um, and these are the initiatives that, that guide the city towards achieving that vision that we just re uh, reviewed. So these are the following, support environmental vitality, support community vitality and enhanced recreational opportunities, ensure financial stability, support economic vitality, strengthen infrastructure, return Old Town to a vital center of the city, maintain a safe community, enhance the efficiency and operation of city operations, and then finally ensure equity, inclusion, and access in city programs, services, and activities. So these overarching initiatives serve as an umbrella for the strategic goals and objectives organized beneath them in the plan. The strategic goals identify and describe the broad outcomes to achieve each citywide initiative, and the objectives provide measurable targets 
by which, uh, and they identify specific actions that the, that the staff can take. So the proposed changes to the plan, as Mr. Nisbet mentioned, are provided in the staff report, and they're also an appendix to the staff presentation, so I can go to those um, if any council member wishes to discuss uh, any specific line items. And then that's our staff presentation, so we'll turn it over to the mayor and the rest of the council uh, for any questions or feedback. Okay, I'm gonna turn it back over to you, Mayor Potev Richards. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I see Councilmember Kasdan has his hand up. So uh, I just had a couple of things. Uh, one was the broadband, that uh, the item there saying uh, create a broadband plan, and I wasn't clear uh, so how this, we were in the county one, and how yeah. this is incorporated, or what, how does this fit? Yeah, that's an excellent question. Thank you, Councilmember Kazan, Mayor Perotti. So the, the county's SPCAG broadband strategic plan, that really provided a general foundation for all of the cities that are within the county. Um, it, they provided <laughs> recommended actions that we could take, but a broadband strategic plan would be more specific, specific to what the council really wants to take, and it provides a, an avenue for us to be organized and structured in how we address the broadband needs of the community. Um, there are a lot of strategies and objectives in, in that SBCAG plan, and the council may or may not want to address some of those. Um, at that presentation that night, uh, staff did consult with SBCAG and said, what do you recommend um, in terms of moving forward? And they said, you guys should do a broadband strategic plan, because that allows you to be more specific um, on what is needed for Goleta specifically and, and to meet those broadband needs of the community. Okay, so we that is just a foundation what SBCAG did and we can incorporate that in our plan, but we need to do a plan to move forward. Absolutely. All right, um, and uh, the next one is the next, that next item there, 4.1.4. Do you support local businesses by facilitating and promoting communication, collaboration, advocacy, and assistance? It just feels like a little vague. Where, yeah. what, is, what are we trying to accomplish? Where's so you You're right. Clarify. It is vague. <laughs> it's very vague. And that was kind of intentional. Um, as you know, the city's currently in the process of developing our economic development strategic plan. And that will really highlight the specific strategies that we need to take. Um, and that is in the strategic plan. We felt this is kind of uh, this 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 statement intends to show the type of role that the city will play in fiscal year 24 and 25, and really ongoing in perpetuity um, after the economic development strategic plan becomes adopted and implemented. So we wanted something that it's going to that is going to show where the city is going in terms of direction because. We will have that plan adopted this fiscal year, so we wanted to have something in the strategic plan that addresses what we believe will come out of that economic development strategic plan. So the objective outlines how the city will be a conduit for information for local businesses on where they can get assistance, how they can collaborate with other businesses or with the chamber, and how they can learn more about what the city is doing to work with and support the local uh, business community. And I'll just read that for, for, this, for the good of the order here. So that one is 4.1.4. It's support local businesses by facilitating and promoting communication, collaboration, advocacy, and assistance. And as you mentioned, it, it is very vague, and that was intentional. 
Yeah, I guess the thing is, is I mean, obviously it's relatively innocuous, so I'm not going to make a big deal of it, but it's hard to evaluate, like, did we do it? You know, when we go back and say, what have we done? Are, were we successful? It, it's so sort of amorphous, it's hard to say were we successful or unsuccessful and, and so forth. It, and really what, it, what our, the big thing is implementing the economic, developing and implementing the economic development plan, which should produce all of the things that you're mentioning here. Yep. So it seems a little verbose, but okay. Councilmember Kiriako. Thank you, Mayor, for time. Uh, I, I want to go back to the develop a broadband strategic plan item for a second, mostly because I want to understand whether we would potentially want to add another um, another um, strategy within the, that goal or not. So one of the things that's been um, kind of percolating out in out in the community a little bit has been uh, increasing access to to internet for different communities, particularly underserved communities. We've had um, conversations with Cox uh, and others about um, you know, potentially trying to uh, find ways to get internet into the hands of more people. I know the census told us that we have a pretty good access rate citywide, but it's hard to really know where the pockets are of people that perhaps don't have it. There's some cities that do things such as you know, subsidizing um, private programs so that you can make internet access cheaper for people that are of certain incomes. Uh, there's also cities, I think Las Vegas is one of them, that actually just have community free Wi-Fi. Um, and they really target lower income areas. And so I'm thinking about Old Town. So I'm just wondering, based on staff's understanding of 4.1.3, develop a broadband strategic plan, is, is what I'm articulating now something that would necessitate another item here, or could it fold into that item, and then we could kind of suss it out during the work plan process and then budget? Uh, Council Member Kiriako, Mayor uh, Perotti, I believe it's the latter. Um, we're, we really put that as a placeholder. That's on our city manager work program for next year, um, and so we're really going to be hashing out the details of what's included, but absolutely, I think that's the impetus um, is is the diversity, equity, inclusion, and equal access to broadband. That's really the main impetus for developing the broadband strategic plan. So it's absolutely the latter uh, of your comment. Okay. And then if we had a, a couple of thoughts on potential strategic goals, would now be the time to just kind of start putting those yep. out there? We're ready. Okay. Um, so one would be um, a satellite library in Old Town. And I'm open to that being support economic vitality, and I'm also open to that being an Old Town-specific item in terms of returning Old Town to a vital place. Um, but a, a couple of things are driving this for me. One is when we had the heat wave during uh, the last summer, um, a lot of folks were encouraged, hey, go to the Goleta Library. Um, Goleta Library had air conditioning. Uh, the Goleta Community Center doesn't, and at any rate, the auditorium and the dining hall weren't open and available to folks anyway. Um, so, you know, given the absence of a public school in Old Town, um, the absence of a library, of a community space, there's really not a cooling center for seniors, for kids, for anybody uh, in, in Old Town, um, or frankly, a lot of different places south of the freeway. And so that would be something I would be interested in seeing, um, both from the cooling center perspective, but then also from the standpoint of it would 
bring more families and children into that area. It'd be a place to gather, to learn, place to do uh, do their homework, um, study groups, um, internet access. There, you know, there's a lot of a lot of potential there, um, and I know that's something that's being. Um, well, I won't say that just now. So um, that would be something I'd be interested in seeing added to um, the strategic plan, perhaps under, um, where is it? What's the yep. initiative? Um, we were uh, thinking return Old six. Town to a vital center of the city. Yeah, section yeah. six. So I'm, I'm interested, I'm happy to either put it under six or if you want to just line it up with where the, the existing library item already was, which is I think under community vitality. You know, you have 2.4 strategic goals, support the Galita Library as a robust community resource. You could potentially put one under there that is, you know, explore a satellite library in Old Town. I'm, I'm happy to do it either way. I mean, I, editorial comment, I feel like nine is too many of these things because you have stuff that just bleeds over, but I'm not gonna legislate that today. Yeah, um, yeah well, let's see here. Whatever staff, wherever staff wants to put it is fine by me. Okay, yeah, I think the, under the library section may make more sense. But I do want to um, turn it over to our city manager to just discuss the, what, what impacts of adding uh, an item such as that to, a to the strategic plan and where it would fit in the work program process as well. Uh, Madam Mayor and Councilmember Cariaco, I, again, this is the highest level plan. So I think the, the, the big ideas the stretch goals, I think, do kind of start here. Um, I, you clearly recognize that the, it's a big idea. Um, and then there's lots of things that follow in terms of, of money and, and does it be, then become a, a project in the capital plan and get some legs and so forth and so on. But I, I would agree that kind of big idea starts here. Okay. And it, it neatly fits into two of the categories, as has already been mentioned. So we'll figure out the right place to put it. Um, and I don't think we have to get too detailed. It's, it's, it's a big idea, you know, and it probably gets into other conversations, as you already pointed out, about just the vitality of Old Town and what brings people in, and we have Old Town visioning coming up, so then all of a sudden the, the concept, the conversation starts to come up there because we've put it in here, and so forth and so on, and, and there's also a, a conversation going on about the community center right now, and so, you know, I, I think it's that's the kind of thing that, yeah, let's put it in and, and see, where it, see where it goes. All right, thank you. And, and can I just get some clarity on the language? We're gonna type it in here. Um, would explore the installation of a satellite library in Old Town, would that mean? I'd say, I would say establishment. Okay, explore the establishment. Um, let's see, so then I want to go down to uh, the diversity and inclusion goal. Okay. And one thing I'd be interested in us looking at is, um, this comes up for me sometimes, uh, the, the pickleball item when we were thinking about the Galita Community Center courts and the conversion of what had been a tennis court with some basketball courts into pickleball. Uh, this, you know, that that ex that whole process kind of drove this home for me, and there's been a couple other examples too. Um, much like our staff reports point out, even when it's not even in the same zip code as CEQA, the reports still have to say that there's no CEQA impact, 
right? It's, it, it forces you to stop and pause and think and reflect before you file your report, right? And then it comes to us. Um, I'd really like to see something in our reports that examines the equity impacts. Um, when, you're, when you're making certain choices, whether it's on recreation and where to put it, housing and where to put it, and for who, there, there, there are um, equity issues related to that, sometimes very positive created by a project and sometimes negative. And you'll never really know until um, you get there, until you're evaluating the issue. But um, I'd be interested in having something in the, in the strategic plan that says that we'll, we'll, we'll look at what other communities are doing. Because I, th I don't think this is the first time this has ever been proposed anywhere, but I can't recall off the top of my head where I saw this somewhere else. It would be great if, if we could look at cities that do this and then come back to us at some later date with a, here's a recommendation. It could go to the DEI committee and we could come up with a, you know, like, yeah, we like this, we like this approach that the city's doing. Let's emulate that. Um, but if there's concurrence for that, I would, I'd, I'd be interested in having that as a goal. Yeah, I'm curious about process here. Like, do you want us to chime in to uh, concur or support? I would definitely support that, and I also support the, you know, exploring the, the library service in Old Town. I, uh, Madam Mayor, I see you nodding. Is that how you'd like to handle this? I agree, yes. <laughs> and, and, and pardon me, uh, Councilmember Martin Reyes, my, uh, my apologies. Typically, that's the process. Okay, thank um, you. Just council's members suggest a change or an addition, and then there's concurrence from the council, and then staff accepts that uh, to move forward. Thanks. But, I mean, I guess I wasn't going to disagree with something with the library thing. I think it's inappropriate for us to specify the uh, satellite independent of the strategic planning <coughs> process. It seems like we have a specific one, develop, adopt, and begin to implement a strategic plan for the library. It's, it's part of that. You know, we want to have a broader concept. It may be that we're expanding the size of the library. It may be the best way to manage the needs of the community is to have a satellite. But it's, um, it's within that context, it seems to me, that of the strategic planning process that we want to evaluate the, the best way to accomplish the needs of the city. And so I'm not arguing against, do we end up at that point that you're highlighting? But I think as a process thing, it's, it's not a separate goal, independent of the strategic plan. It's part of the strategic planning process. And so I think if you want to incorporate uh, they, you know, develop, adopt, and begin to implement a strategic plan for the Goleta Valley Library, including the potential for satellite library services or something along there. Um, that that's fine, but I don't think it should be a separate item. And but as far as and 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 I also concur. I think that's a great idea as far as evaluating the impacts of our programs and policies across different. Uh, groups, uh, in, I take it in staff reports or something like that, to have that as an item. I think that's a very, very thoughtful. Okay, uh, so back to Councilmember Kiriaka. Were, were you finished? I was waiting to get called. So I, I guess I'll, I'll respond to that with a question then, which is, is it your expectation that it's not appropriate within a high level, the highest of the high 
planning documents to signpost what you think would be an important goal from such a plan? In other words, what if the plan comes back to us and there ain't a thing in it about you know, satellite library services? And then we rightly say, well, this is important to us. And they said, well, you never told us it was important to you. Do, do you see what I'm saying? I would imagine that we're going to get, we're going to potentially have a consultant who's going to do a strategic plan and evaluate what are the needs that we have in the area, uh, what are the best ways to get there, what are the costs of the various alternatives to achieve that, and that um, this is one way of satisfying the needs. If the people in Old Town don't have inadequate access, for instance, to the library, um, if it's uh, you know, that, that it's something that they should think through. But I guess I'm not presuming an outcome to the process. You have a, we have a public process. We reach out. We get the public input and all of that. that that's how I would about uh, assent. You know, how does it mesh, for instance, with the mobile book services? Uh, do we want to, when we say um, to add library services to Old Town, is it satisfied with the mobile book service if that goes there also? So I, I, I guess I'm just saying yeah, we have to think I, it through. I hear what you're saying. I guess I'll go back to where I started, which was part of this was inspired by the fact that we don't have a cooling center in Old Town or most places south of, of the 101. And so, I we'll, mean, we'll have to me it seems like it would be an opportunity to kind of do two things at once. But are you saying then that it would make more sense to just have a strategic planning goal of a cooling center in Old Town. Would that be acceptable to you? Or We have the community center we're building there. Which doesn't have HVAC. It Maybe it should. And maybe that's part of the community center. We're doing a strategic plan there. Um, so it is, you know, I have nothing against providing services for mm -hmm. the people in Old Town. Mm -hmm. I just want to see that, um, you know, we do it in the right way. Can we jump in? Yes, yes, uh, Councilmember. I, I appreciate those comments. I, I do still think it is in, important enough to be a standalone goal. Um, for me, you know, I think the cooling center is one issue. For me, it actually is, um, you know, literacy and education in Old Town. It is a neighborhood that is historically under-resourced, does not have access to a neighborhood school. Um, I have lived eight years as a school board member, constantly trying to integrate that community into their, uh, you know, home elementary schools across the freeway, um, and it would it would be truly transformative for that community to have access to a library. I fully expect that a strategic plan process would probably get there, but why wait for that? Um, yeah, if, if we believe that this is important. And I think eventually down the road, you have economic positive economic development impacts associated with having a better, well-read workforce of the future because they had access to services where they lived. And they didn't have to go and hop a bus and go across the freeway to, to get it. I, I Mayor, Mayor Prodi has her hands up. Uh, you know, the conversation about a library um, in Old Town has been around for a long time, and I think we have done some studies on the need um, uh, you know, that uh, there definitely is a need. And, and I like the idea of a, it being incorporated into also a cooling center. But, you know, libraries are so much more. They're just places 
where people gather and it uh, gives a place, uh, a sense of place in their community. And it's lacking that in Old Town. Yes, we really wanted the uh, bookmobile to be able to go around, but it its funding came with some, not regulations, but it really was meant to be for, um, if I'm correct, it's been a long time, but I, like funding came through the state and I remember it being really um, earmarked for Isla Vista and it does move around Isla Vista, but um, it really needed to, uh, I, we need something in, um, in Old Town. And when we were thinking about taking over the um, community center and building our city hall there, that was one of the things we wanted to have was a, um, a library annex there. So um, I don't know where, I have no opinion on where's the right place to put it. I just think that's a goal that's worthy of mentioning in this strategic plan. Madam Mayor and, and members of the council, how about if we do this? Um, how about if we do both, essentially? Uh, we'll call it out. We'll find the appropriate place to put it. And the manner in which we call it out will connect it to the fact that we're doing a library strategic plan. So we'll show the alignment between the two ideas. Um, but we'll call it out. So as has been pointed out, it doesn't kind of get lost in the shuffle. <laughs> We're good. Thank you. Elegant solution. Okay. Um, I see uh, Councilmember Kazan. Is your, do you still have more? Yeah, I had one other actually. Uh, and that is that we add an item to, to um, think about the triangle property next to City Hall to start uh, some sort of process of it, now that we own it, it's been sitting there for a while, but now we own the building and we have that. So let's think about what we want to do with it. Yeah, and I'll just jump in and add concurrence to that. It was on my list of things that I wanted. So, and, and I was going to say something like along the lines of exploring the highest and best use of developing that property. Okay, that's a nicer. Uh, we, we think that could go under strength and infrastructure. Um, and we'll use that language that uh, Mayor Pro Tem Kazan just provided. Richard, you mixed Sorry. us both up. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> Mayor Pro Tem Richards, my apologies. Okay. Um, Councilmember Kazan, any more? No, that's it. Okay. Um, I, I have a few that I'll jump in on. Uh, I haven't had a chance. Um, so some of these, I, I guess I'm not clear uh, with our planning process if this is more uh, for our work plan that will come later or if these are higher level items to um, uh, explore as a strategic in the strategic plan um, but one of them was the uh, the Goleta Union School District property in Old Town I know that's something that we've talked about uh, I had that on my list okay <laughs> sorry I'm I eating to the punch okay <laughs> okay all right well I'll just finish my sentence which was <laughs> to explore the uh, potential acquisition of that and um yeah, I, I don't know, and, and explore opportunities that we have to use that. And Madam Mayor and, and, and Councilmember um, Richards, maybe I'll jump in on, on your, the context you gave, because I think you made an interesting point, and it kind of came up with the library, too. You know, like, what belongs here, what does not belong here? Uh, the, and we mentioned this is the highest level, then we have work plans, then we have a CIP, and we also have an operating budget. And so I think that's a, an interesting question. I don't know if we have a, a perfect answer for it, but it's certainly a thoughtful question that we're going to put probably some more thought into in the future as we try to improve all these plans. My sense, this is a great example, because my sense is, since this is something we already have been working on, 
Uh, there was probably some consciousness that this is in a department work plan somewhere. It is probably maybe even in the CIP. And so it didn't rise. It was chosen not to be in the strategic plan. That's just my thought. Again, I think people could argue this all day long, whether something, what plan something belongs in. But I know the, mot, the pursuance of, a, of this idea to, to, to find a property and do an exchange with the school district is in, a, is in one of our work plans right now. I think it's in yours. It probably is in mine. That was, yeah. I see the nodding head. <laughs> yeah, that's correct, Mr. Nisbet. It's in the city manager. Yep, it's in our work program. Okay. Uh, yeah, then uh, perhaps it's not needed here as long as it is in a work plan. I just wanted to make sure that it was, that we had an opportunity to prioritize it maybe above other work, you know, and make sure that we're clear about um, how, that we want, we want uh, movement on this. I, I think it is really important for it to be in this document. Speaking as a former school board member, there was a perception, I will speak just for myself, um, that this was not the highest priority or at the highest level of policy of a priority for the city. That may be incorrect, um, but I think it's important if this is our document, if this is kind of our plan to rule all plans, um, that it's important <laughs> for, for that to be noted here. Uh, and I want to concur on that, too. This is how we track how well we're doing in some ways, and they, it's our scorecard. And so to the extent that we're making progress on particular things, it's, you know, we can see that we've, we've made progress. So I, I really think it's valuable yeah. to include. I, I kind of think it's like the categories of the scorecard and the work plan and then kind of the budget is like the grades. But, yeah, sure. that's a good point. Yes, absolutely. We'll include that. Thank you, council okay, members. Thank you. Um, uh, another uh, idea that I wanted to propose or add, um, and you know, I would like to see you know, if there's concurrences. Looking at the Aero Camino uh, area, and you know, thinking about how to de develop that or, mm -hmm. or how to uh, what how to look at that, maybe coming up with a plan. You know, so I, I, it is in your district, council member Piriaka, So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Uh, that is something that that you and I had talked about. Um, I didn't want to put you on the spot. Recently. <laughs> yeah. um, I guess I'm still trying to think of exactly how to articulate that as a goal because an argument can be a specific plan. I mean, there's different ways to contemplate the revitalization of that specific uh, area. Um, so I'm open. I'd, I'd love to hear actually from everybody if you think that's the right way to do it. Just because it's my district doesn't mean it's got to be like my way or your way. But Yeah, and, and I guess, you know, I'm not wedded to a particular idea of how to do that, you know, so maybe it's not a specific plan. You know, I, I don't know, you know, maybe it's more open-ended, you know, just to explore options, you know, for, you know, like uh, investigating the best, you, you know. The future I, I vitality. Know. The future, of, yeah, yeah. yeah. What, would, I don't know, I, so I don't know if there are it, other it, comments. Well, it's one of the, um, it's one of the real kind of, opportunity places in the city that I see like there could be so much more there but that's that's one place where you have some sidewalk and then you kind of don't for a little while and then it comes back again and there's things that we're thinking of doing in the future possibly the very near future that that neighborhood would really potentially be connected from or kind of isolated from depending upon how you plan for it so um, so I agree it is important. Um, I guess I'm still trying to think what's the right mechanism. It's one of the reasons why I didn't like overtly have an, an item for it. How, how about a committee? 
you know, in which I know it sounds so bureaucratic, but I like the idea of people being able to talk about it and invite the public in and have uh, some environment where people can, you know, offer ideas and talk about it. I can, I can think of the committee that it should probably go to, the Economic Development Committee. I think that would be a good one. It could be, but it could be a committee. It could be an ad hoc committee. You know, it could be just a, um, a committee that's specific for that particular thing. I, I, don't, I don't envision it, us creating an ad hoc committee to explore this. I think that there are other mechanisms. But, you know, I guess I, but I, I don't, I just want to leave it broad enough that it doesn't, like, we, we don't, you know, say that we're going to have to do a specific plan or do this or that, right. you know, that, but that it's just exploring opportunities to, like, like we mm -hmm. said, I don't know. Yeah, I would so, support that. Uh, I see uh, Mayor Prodi, your hands up. Is that with regard to this? No, I, I was just putting my hand up so you know I have okay. a few questions. <laughs> okay, whatever you're ready. Um, are we, do we have enough? I believe we're, we're using the language to investigate the future vitality of Aero Camino, if that works. Okay, yeah. Okay. And I would concur that it belongs under economic development. Um, there's no question about it. Uh, and whether, yeah, a specific plan or not, we can take that question down the road. Okay. Um, I had two others uh, just to mention. And um, one is uh, this idea of um, community development. Um, I, I think it would go somewhere under, like, the number two, the community vitality. And, uh, you know, I th the idea is that we, we have some uh, citywide events. You know, and I can think of the, the dam dinner um, and... You know, there, there's been some events in Old Town that the city hasn't done, but that have, uh, like, the taste and sounds of Old Town, et cetera. And I'm, I guess I'm just wondering, you know, should the, could or should the city be doing more, you know, to look at community development types of activities, you know, like events or, or, or what? And, um, in fact, I was thinking now that we have uh, districts, it might make sense to look at them on a district level and, you know, maybe, you know, have a, a different kinds of community activities in each of the districts. So I'm just throwing it out there. It's something that I've thought about, but I, I don't think we've ever really talked about it. And, you know, um, is that something that we would want to explore or something uh, that we could uh, look at? I think that is in the Economic Development Strategic Plan, is uh, the uh, opportunity to pursue events that are both uh, community-related and uh, income-generating. Yeah, I mean, I guess my initial thought is that it, it's not, I'm not thinking of it as, a, as an economic development activity, although I guess it could be, but I'm thinking of it purely, you know, I mean, primarily as well, a community well, development. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, like, like the dam dinner, um, uh, you know, that, that it brings the neighborhood together, brings the community together, uh, but... I mean, certainly I would support it, you know, like looking at it as a, a economic development activity as well, you know, and involving other, you know, businesses and other groups. But. And Madam Mayor and Council Members, I'll respond uh, again, kind of both, I think. There's, there's no question it, it already is being discussed uh, in, the, in the effort on the economic development plan. Um, it's already come up. I don't know if it's actually a theme, but it, it, it is in there. So back to the point, you know, does it belong in economic development? I guess we could debate that back and forth. But I think the spirit, um, uh, Councilmember Richards, of your point is that, well, I don't look at it as economic development. It's more community events. I think that's still embedded in it. So 
I don't know moving it around makes a difference at this point. The, 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 the work that we're doing right now is embracing that idea, whether you call it economic development or community development. So I, I believe it's there and it's on our plate. I would just add that, you know, I do, I would support, you know, exploring feasibility or, or more development of city-sponsored um, community events where there's, there's not necessarily a fee associated with it, um, you know, that builds community, that provides different opportunities for seniors, families. Um, you know, for example, we're, we're in Black History Month, and it would be great to have had, you know, a city-sponsored event, um, you know, related to Black History Month or any other type of, you know, events. Um, I could see an economic development plan also kind of having a, maybe a different lens to community events, but I, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think what you're going to is more of that community building <coughs> city-sponsored events. We've seen the tremendous success of the Dam Dinner and its growth. I think there's clearly a desire to have more events like that, um, and there could be different scales um, and different locations, um, so I would, I would support that. So, I mean, I, I think if it's, if we're already doing that, if it's in there, I, then I'm okay. I just, as long as that's our, our clear, uh, common understanding of what that is working on then. Yeah, I, th I think it is, but if, if Ryan can think of a way to kind of massage some of the language that's already in there so, it, so that, again, that idea doesn't get lost in the shuffle, we'll make sure we wordsmith that in. Absolutely. We can do that. Okay, and then one final thing. Um, you know, I noticed that we have agriculture and the uh, preservation of agriculture in our, I think it was in the vision statement, um, uh, environment, yes, it, it's in the vision and, uh, you know, there, there actually aren't any uh, uh, strategic goals or objectives that relate to agriculture, pr preservation of agriculture, and I think that maybe it would be worthwhile adding something somewhere, and I was thinking maybe under 1.3, um, environmental vitality, you know, just for the city to explore opportunities, you know, to preserve the agricultural resources in our area or something like that. You know, just, you know, communicating that this is a value of the city and that we want, you know, and one thing that comes to mind under that is, you know, for example, uh, Measure G 2012, you know, that, that is something that was passed a few, you know, in 2012 and at, at some point will be expiring. You know, kinds of things like that that are uh, activities, uh, initiatives of the city that um, are, you know, put, we're putting forward to do what we can to preserve it. So I, I don't know if there's no, some discussion. Is that, is that clear? Yeah. Yeah. We, we have included it here under um, Section 1.3. Um, and the, what, the way we have it written now is explore supporting uh, slash preserving agricultural vitality or urban agriculture. Okay, that would be great. Okay, thank you. And moving along, I see Councilmember Reyes-Martin. Yes, I have a, a couple um, for consideration. Um, on 4.7, which is, I believe, affordable housing, um, I really appreciate that this whole goal is very comprehensive and includes homeowners, nonprofit developers, employers. Um, the group that I see missing is uh, tenants, um, and I would really like to include something about uh, <coughs> either exploring or bringing forward, um, you know, supporting uh, tenant rights or tenant protections uh, related to housing. 
I don't know. I would what support that. And I think there's already things in the works related to looking at just cause and potential other strategies. Yeah. But I think that, yeah, that's absolutely a missing strategic goal, and I would totally support that. Okay. And on then moving to 5.3, I think this one is more. Uh, maybe strengthening some of this language. You know, one of the things that I hear most often from residents is the condition of our streets, especially in residential neighborhoods. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know if it's just strengthening the language here to really communicate. What I hear most often or the questions I hear are, is there a plan to, you know, fix my street, <laughs> fix the potholes, kind of, re 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 you know, really help out with some rehab? Um, so I don't know if that's, you know, a long-term residential streets program or some kind of plan that we can communicate to residents and the public. And my focus is really on those residential neighborhoods. Um, you know, people want to know that there's some kind of timeline or schedule and that we can point to um, for them to find it. Um, I think maybe that is already some of the intent in this language, but it's not really explicit or clear. Um, so maybe it's more of a I guess the, of the only language. question I would ask is whether it needs to be so explicitly residential, because I've talked to many business owners. Yeah. This came up a lot during the discussions about the sales tax, where business owners were telling me, like, I'll support it as long as you fix the darn road that comes to my <laughs> shopping center, my business, you know, yeah. et cetera. So, I, you know. I, I appreciate residential streets. I've heard it streets. mostly from residents. But uh, no, I I've, I've heard it from too. both, and yeah. I'm not trying to put one against the other or put one higher than the other. I just wonder, does it need to be so explicit for residential? No. Okay. Residents and businesses split the baby? I, well, I guess I think that is the intent on, on the second item, B3.2, and then the specific road plans for roads we do each year when we do our, our CIP list that – but maybe you said Charlie's on. Maybe he can describe it better. Yeah. Um, so, council members, Mayor Prodi, we have two objectives under protect and maintain our roadway system, as you know. So it's maintain and regularly update the city's pavement management program, and then also design and construct pavement overlays, rehabilitation, reconstruction projects that will achieve and maintain a council-approved citywide pavement condition index so that really i think uh, encompasses what you're what you're trying to say but if you want us to add language to be more explicit um i think that's okay but i uh, i also see charlie up yeah, mr abling up there before, to provide before charlie chimes is maybe just more plain language that really communicates that you know i don't think many you know residents know what a citywide pavement condition index is or that this is what that the the mechanism to achieve that um, so maybe it's just just changing some of the language or adding some language sure. so that yeah. it's clear. Yeah. Mr. Ebling, any any Good. comments there? Uh, yeah, thank you. Um, I would say uh, I, I would go along with uh, what the council members are saying that maybe just a little bit more specific language that I think um, Mr. Mr. Kintz and I can work on. And then just as a little bit of background, um, we do have a, a analytical approach to our payment uh, uh, management. Uh, we have a pavement management program. It's a it's a database program where we track the condition of all of our pavements uh, throughout the city. Uh, it's called Street Saver. Um, we look at the roads every two years. We do an inspection every two years, and then we come up with a an analytical approach that will uh, 
uh, essentially choose streets, whether it's residential collectors or arterials that are, um, you know, a residential would be residential districts, uh, collectors and arterials are usually more uh, business districts. And that the system helps us use the funding that we have the most efficiently with the, you know, the needs of the roadways. And it's not always just the worst, worst first. We're actually looking at other things as well, like keeping our good roads good. And so there's a lot of balance to it, but it is a, a, a you know, suffice it to say, it is an analytical approach. We do it every two years, and then we develop our series of uh, recommended pavement projects based on that. We tend to shy away from having just a rote list of, of say, you know, here's the list of streets that we're going to do each year for the next five years because things change, roadways deteriorate at different speeds. Um, and what we'd end up doing if we did sort of a rote just list is we wouldn't be able to necessarily use our funding most efficiently. And if we were to deviate from that, we'd probably, um, you know, uh, anger some people by not meeting those expectations. So we, we try to do this every two years and come up with the, the, um, the approach based on our our uh, computer database system and our pavement management uh, professionals that we, we do have a consulting firm that uh, I think every, a lot of people on the council know uh, uh, pavement, pavement, man, uh, pavement engineering and their uh, principal is Joe Reary and he, uh, a lot of people call him Mr. Pavement because he's just so <laughs> enthusiastic about a topic like pavement. I can see uh, Mayor Perotti nodding her head saying, yep, we know Mr. Pavement. Um, but uh, so I think that's a good summary of that. It's not just sort of a, a random approach. We really are trying to take an analytical approach that uses our funding most efficiently. That's great. I agree. I think if maybe it's just tweaking some of the language. And, and just to add, you know, we'll have the sales tax money and that will, you know, we've been unable to do yeah. more than kind of hand waving in the past. We'll actually hopefully be able to really make a dent and, yeah, that'll be great. And that'll that'll be a big deal. Thank you, Councilmember Reyes Martin. Miss um, Kern and I will work with Mr. Ebling to incorporate that language to make it more clear. Great. And I have just one more, or I think two more, on the um, DEI section. Um, on 9.1, um, we have in 9.11 to analyze the city's employment demographics as compared to the demographics of the community. I'd like to add and present that to city council um, so that we have that information and can glean whatever we need to from, from that. Um, and I don't know if it needs to be as explicit as on an annual basis or every two years, whatever makes most sense. Um, but I think it's important for that information to come to council. And related on 9.3, there's also the analyze the city's board and commission appointee demographics. Um, I think that should also come to council. And I see thumbs up from Councilmember Kiriakou. Yep. Thumbs up over there. Yep. And my last one, promise, um, is on, this is really just an edit to the title. Um, on 9.4, that engage limited English speakers in a strategic way. Um, if we could change that to emergent multilingual instead of limited English to eliminate that deficit framed mm -hmm. language, um, that would be great. Thank you. And can I get the section number on that again? I missed it. That was yeah, nine, that was uh, nine point four. Thanks. Yeah. 
And we got that. We changed that. Thank, thank you. you, Council Member Reyes Martin. Okay, thank you. And Mayor Prodi, you've been so patient. <laughs> thank you. Well, great. Everybody's got some great suggestions. So I, I they did their homework. So that's good. I only have a few um, uh, questions mainly about a uh, removal of um, it's under um, uh, see, support community vitality, enhance recreational opportunities. And it's um, to, let's see, apparently 2.215, it has develop a public art installation policy. Do we um, have, have, why would we remove that? Have we actually done that? I know we're talking about gatherings and cultural events, but also public art. Um, I guess I'm confused on why the thought of taking two point two one five. Um, Mayor Prodi, thank you for that. Uh, so, um, are we doing that? Maybe we already have it. I just don't know. That. No, ex excellent question, Mayor Prodi. So uh, I can answer that, and I'll, I'll let um, Assistant City Manager Miss um, Schmidt and our city manager, Mr. Nisbet, to include any thoughts here as well. We attempted to develop that policy with the Neighborhood Services Department, uh, Ms. Plummer and I. We ran into some major roadblocks under, um, um, under some freedom of speech issues, and there was some traction that was made, but it was determined that in order to proceed with, with a public art <coughs> installation policy, we would need a much more robust uh, process, potentially developing um, a public art installation plan or, or strategic plan. Um, it, it really was something that we thought we could just knock out of the park and get done, um, but we weren't able to do that given the, the constraints that we ran into. Um, if council wants us to take another stab at that, it, we, we can absolutely <coughs> keep that in there. Um, I would just defer to our city manager and our assistant city manager of, of where that fits into a work program and which department and which fiscal year that's uh, that's uh, put under uh, for a work program. Well, I, I know it's we've run into issues when we have uh, people that, uh, folks that would like to come and do murals, uh, because we don't have a, a public art uh, policy. So, uh, and, and you know, if we want to do things like that, I would think that we should leave it in and uh, at some point try and put something together. Uh, uh, Mayor, it looks like uh, Christy Schmidt has something yes, to say. Yes, thank you. Um, Madam Mayor and uh, city council members, yeah, I think we were feeling like this was maybe staff led as something that we could, you know, kick out of the park we did find a can of worms as we started to open this up around uh, um, freedom of speech issues and um, censorship issues when it comes to different types of art. That said, there are programs that work with the County Arts Commission and that are set up um, specifically to you know, overcome those hurdles. And if, if we felt that that was a real interest of council, we could explore something like that. I think the reason for taking it out was just not knowing that there was a lot of energy around that from from you that would justify that level of 
you know, a robust program or partnering, you know, partnering with the county. But if it is a, a sincere interest that you have in in having a, a policy and maybe a program and funding a program around the arts, um, we can do more exploration of that. We can leave it in. I would. Well, I'd that. like to hear from my colleagues. You know, I don't want to be the only one. No, no, no. I, 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 I see a lot that. of nodding. At the, oh, okay, at, I can't yeah, see yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. Okay. Okay. Thank you, council members. We'll uh, put that one back in there. Okay, and I just have one more quick question on uh, under maintain a safe community, uh, 7.22. It's for removal of work with uh, other sheriff contract cities and the county to secure body cameras and IT infrastructure for sheriff deputies. I know the issue of body cameras came up because uh, we wanted to make sure that all our uh, deputies were uh, had body cameras supplied to them, and I and I did inquire, and I believe they do. But the question of IT infrastructure, and I could be wrong on this one, but I think that came up years ago because of the substation that's in Old Town. Uh, it's a sheriff substation that's only it's not used, and one of the issues because it's not used because there's no uh, no internet and no computers, so. They can't do any paperwork there. So, you know, it had been discussed that wouldn't it be nice to have a more friendly um, substation where people could just come in and ask a question, but the doors are always locked in. I know the deputies um, actually, it's just used for restroom purposes. So I don't know if my colleagues think that's worth pursuing, but I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, yes, yeah, Councilmember Carriaco. Uh, Madam Mayor and Mayor Pro Tem, I can speak to this because um, this was something that um, I had pushed for, and I wasn't alone, um, so I don't want to grandstand in any way. But the IT infrastructure, as as I had pushed for it, and as our <coughs> colleagues at the time had pushed for it, wasn't related to the the substation per se. Okay. It was actually related to the body cameras themselves, because one of the barriers that the sheriff's department was encountering was having the IT infrastructure to save the recordings from the body camera, collate them, organize them, and store them for future use if needed. And so that was one of the barriers. And so we were saying it's not just enough to record it, but it would be important to be able to access it from time to time as necessary when issues come up. That, that, wow. was, that, was, that was really the thrust of it at the time. Okay. And, and All right, so, the, so the substation is an altogether different um, topic. I, I think. I think. The, yeah, the substation could be its own strategic goal. Yeah. yeah. So okay, can well, I clarify then? Uh, are you saying that this should not be removed then, or because? I think it should be removed. Oh, it should. We have a, this. This goal has been accomplished by the sheriff's department, okay. which, who we contract with. Okay. Very good. Thank you. And we're just not going to, uh, we'll just leave the idea of the, uh, making the substation a little bit more friendly. That could come up, that could, a topic that could come up another time. Just an observation, the idea that no IT, we could, we could get a hotspot, a mobile hotspot. If that's the limitation on using the, the substation, that's a, not a that's good what I'm hearing. That's, that doesn't make any sense. Because they could do paperwork there. They could do reports. They're doing, a, 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 you know, I, I don't know. It's just sitting there. I'm wondering what we could do with it. 
I, I see. see Mr. Valdez. Yes, uh, Mr. Valdez. Yeah, if, if you'd like. Um, so, yes, Councilmember Kiriakou is correct in regards to the infrastructure related to this item here. It's essentially the amount of data that gets created by video files. And so that was one of the big uh, constraints at the time. Since then, I think they've been able to find a, a, a workaround and, and space on uh, offsite servers is much cheaper. Um, in terms of the substation down in Old Town, uh, it is mostly used for report writing, uh, kind of at off hours, but we already have the substation at the Camino Marketplace. We have locations here at City Hall. They also have their headquarters off of um, uh, Turnpike. And so at any given time, we have three patrol vehicles. <laughs> so there isn't that huge a need for the, for the reports uh, to be done at the same time, because we actually do want them out in the field. Um, so what we've asked in the past is if they needed anything further for that to be used, you know, to let us know there was some monies available through a former uh, donation fund that's still available, uh, but we haven't got that. They just don't, we don't have that many positions out and about where they need places to stop and do work. Uh, if that changes, we're, we're happy to relay that information back to council. I think for me, it was more about having the community feel like they could go over there and ask a question, but you know, it, it's not, it's not welcoming because it's always locked and not really, um, I, you know, it's just a thought that I had, maybe there's not a need, but um, that was just my thought. Madam Mayor, if I, if I may interject here, you know, th this is something that I've brought up in the past because I, I feel like it sends a, a bad signal that there's a building that's right there at the corner in a highly visible section of Old Town that says Sheriff Station that is almost always empty, you know, that is not staffed. And, and I, I get that <coughs> maybe the, the need isn't there for the sheriffs to use it or it's not the capability maybe not there or, or the need. Uh, but I just feel like it sends the wrong signal to have a building that has that sign that is almost never occupied, you know? And I, 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 so I feel like it's worth exploring. Is there a better use for that building? Is there a way, you know, to make it, you know, more uh, community oriented, something that would actually benefit the community by being there? It seems like there's a, you know, a, an opportunity. It's, it's at a, it's at a, a prime location. And, and, you know, so I, I'd like to learn more, you know, uh, it's it is this owned by the, the community West Bank and, and rented to the, the, the sheriffs, or is it given? I mean, is there some other use that they might want to think about, or is there something that we could, you know, I mean, it could be like a visitor center. It could be, I mean, there's a lot of things that I could see it being. So I, I don't know if that's something that we want to add or if that's something that we could include in this, but I think it's worth having a discussion. I, I'm, I'm wondering if maybe the, the best place to kind of kickstart that discussion would be the, the, emergency, the emergency preparedness, public safety emergency preparedness committee. We could. Yeah, Council Member Reyes Martinez and I can talk about it, kind of get underneath a little bit more of the history. My recollection is it's essentially donated. It's on Community West Bank property. I don't know that there would necessarily be a, oh yeah, we can just turn it into a visitor center without there being conversations, multiple conversations with, with the bank. Um, so why don't maybe the committee could kind of get underneath that a little bit more? Yeah, and I just I just throw out visitor center. I don't know if that's the best. You know, I'm oh, not necessarily proposing yeah. that, but I'm just offering an, an alternative. I, I, I didn't mean to be critical. I just I, you know, I, I just don't know how elective it is. Yeah. Right. Well, I appreciate the conversation that we're having now. So thank you okay. for that. All right. Thank you, Mayor. Did you have more? 
No, I'm putting my head down. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, Madam Mayor and mem uh, members of the council, I have one comment just to, since we're on this slide. I might as well make it now. I wasn't going to make it, but I see we're on this slide. So you might note it probably you went right by it. Um, but on the nine initiatives, uh, this one, number seven, used to be maintain a self, uh, safe community, and we have proposed changing it to a safe and healthy community. Doesn't seem like much. It's adding one word. I completely understand that. Uh, that was an idea that I had and presented to Ryan. Um, so what I have observed, and I think many others have too, as we come out of the, this pandemic of the last three years, um, <laughs> public health um, has been highlighted. Mental health has been highlighted. And I have observed cities realizing this and seeing that there's more to do than just kind of um, wait for the state and the county to do what they do with regard to public health. And so when I looked over the nine items, I didn't see health mentioned anywhere. And so it just felt to me as we move into the post-pandemic world, um, I'm seeing, I'm seeing, yeah, that's what I'm seeing out there in, in, in my universe, that it's being combined with safety and you're seeing an emphasis. And so we don't have any objectives yet. We don't have any goals, but it starts with a word. It's a very important word, uh, health and uh, it might lead to other things down the road. So I just wanted to mention that that was thrown in there, not a big deal at this point, um, but we did broaden that one to say safe and healthy. Okay. I, I see nodding. Oh, should we go to public comment? Okay. Yes, if there are any members within the Zoom webinar who would like to speak to this item, please use the raised hand icon and I will call on you. I'm seeing none. Oh, Mayor, I think you're muted. <laughs> uh, we can't hear you. Mayor Brody, you're on mute. Oh, there we go. It just popped up. That was weird. I couldn't. I, that's strange. Okay. Um, no, I'm just saying that we. I think we did good. Um, I thought it would take longer than this, but I think all the suggestions were really well made. And um, so we, we're just providing uh, direction to you, Mr. Kitts, right, to staff? Yes, we, we've received your input. We made the changes. Um, so we can, we can uh, uh, move forward with finalizing the plan and uh, maybe bring it back as a consent item for adoption. Okay, uh, so I, that's my, my question if we needed to adopt, um, have a motion now, but I think when it comes back, that's the appropriate time. Yeah, we can provide it in a clean form so you have, the council can review <laughs> all the changes and then put it on consent if, if the city manager is okay with Great. that process. All right, thank you. Thank you for all your hard work on this. Great. Okay, thank you, Mayor Brody and council members. Okay, um, Mayor Pro Tem Richards. Yes. Can I? Can we have a five minute break? <laughs> yes, of course. Okay, okay. Five, five minute break. Five minutes. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, 
It looks like we're uh, ready to come back. Thank you. That's going to take us to um, item before adjustments to council appointments to regional ad hoc and standing committees. Okay. Is that Ms. Schmidt? Are you helping us yes, through this one? Madam Mayor, yes, it's me again. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Madam Mayor and City Council members, Christy Schmidt, Assistant City Manager. Tonight's item is in follow-up to your meeting of January 17th, where you made appointments to various regional committees and to your own internal standing and ad hoc committees. Uh, in preparing this item, that item, uh, Deborah Lopez, our city clerk, who is here tonight participating remotely, uh, and myself realized that it was uh, probably time for us to look at whether some of those assignments and committees should be discontinued. Uh, having gone back and talked to our liaisons for our 11 standing committees and six ad hoc committees, we have some recommendations to, for dissolving uh, several council subcommittees. Um, so first we are recommending dissolving the City Hall Facilities Standing Committee. This committee was formed when the city was really looking for a, a new city hall. Um, and since then, we have uh, bought the building uh, here and it has become our, our city hall and we are now occupying all four suites. Um, and so we think that this issue is not so complex or time consuming that we really need a separate um, standing committee for this purpose. We will of course continue to bring you policy issues related to city hall through other established processes as we do, as we do with our other uh, facilities and properties. Uh, second, we are recommending dissolving the Ad Hoc Santa Barbara Airport Support Property Development Review Committee. That is a mouthful. Um, this was created for a limited purpose to examine issues related to the city of Santa Barbara's property off of Hollister Avenue. And we think the committee has uh, achieved its purpose as uh, we mentioned in the staff report. Third, we've recommended dissolving the Library Ad Hoc Committee. This was created many years ago uh, before we managed the library uh, to work with the county to identify additional funding to support the Goleta Valley Library. We still have funding issues, uh, but we think that these um, exceed the original limited purpose of the Ad Hoc Committee um, and that discussions for about funding uh, for the libraries in the future should be uh, either with our Library Advisory Commission or with the full council, or we may even um, want to eventually discuss setting a, an ad hoc, I mean, excuse me, a standing committee for library funding issues if, if, if we get more activity on that, that level. Uh, but for now, we think it's appropriate to dissolve the ad hoc committee. Um, uh, finally, we are recommending that you authorize the administrative dissolution of the Ad Hoc Goleta Valley Community Center uh, Committee once you've adopted the Goleta Community Center Strategic Plan, which is coming up in the next couple months here, we hope. Um, at that point, uh, we think that we'll have reached the uh, appropriate end of the limited purpose for which that committee was established. Um, uh, we also, in the staff report, we ide initially identified uh, for discontinuance the council appointment to the Goleta Valley Community Center Organizations Board of Directors, 
the Goleta Beach Standing Committee, the Ad Hoc Revenue Neutrality Agreement Committee. However, with, after consultation with the mayor and the mayor pro tem, we are not recommending dissolution of those uh, appointments and committees at this point. Um, so on a somewhat separate note, we've added a final recommendation related to a request we received from Mayor Perotti and Councilmember Kasdan to add an item to the agenda to consider changing the appointment you made at the January 17th meeting to the Economic Development uh, and Revitalization Standing Committee. You have the opportunity to either reaffirm your appointments or to make changes by removing either or both existing council members and making a new appointment to that committee. Um, you may want to take the, the first uh, A through D on the committees and then and take the uh, recommendation under E um, subsequently at your, at your choice, Madam Mayor. And at this point, we're happy to answer any questions, either myself or Deborah Lopez, who is on the line. Thank you. Question, so I think your suggestion to do um, A through D first is, is a good, good decision, good choice. Council, I'm not seeing you. Oh, there you are. I couldn't see any of you for a while. <laughs> uh, Councilmember <laughs> Kiriako has his hand. Uh, just a process question. So, we, if we're going to take that separate, do we need to take a separate public comment on that portion, or would we wait till the very end, like discuss it, and then go through everything else, and then do separate motions later? Like, how would this work? So we have to, under the Brown Act, take public comment before any action. So you can segregate it if you want and take public comment on A through D and then take an action and then take public comment on E. You can take it all before you take any action on those. Those are your two options. Okay. Um, I don't have any questions or anything on A through D. I don't see any other hands. Madam Mayor, um, Mayor Pro Tem, if I could make a clarifying point on A through D, um, and if you're going to take staff recommendation and dissolve those recommended committees, um, I'd, I'd ask that you include in your motion that you actually rescind the relevant resolution there so we don't have this like extra resolution just hanging around that doesn't have a purpose anymore. Uh, are we taking public comment at this point, or are we? I guess I'm a little confused on this. Madam Mayor, it's at your discretion. If you'd like to take public comment on all A through E, you can do so. Or if you'd like to take public comment on A through D, um, and then act on A through D, and then take public comment on E after, um, you're, you can do that as well. Okay. I, I would think we should take public comment on A through D first. Yes, if any member of, on the Zoom webinar wishes to speak to items A through D, please use the raised hand icon and I will call on you. I do have a speaker slip from Kristen Miller. I'm not sure if you wanted to speak through. You okay? And I'm seeing not, I'm not seeing any hands for uh, A through D on the webinar, so no public comment at this time. Okay. And now do we um move um, a, a motion for those or do we go on to e and then come back and do uh... madam mayor you can take a motion for items a through d and you can do so in one motion um if there's consensus on that so it won't be a complicated motion I, i'm willing to make the motion uh, if you just 
help me? Yeah, for you. <laughs> uh, do, do I need to read it, or can I just say that we move to approve A through e, D and dissolve the associated uh, originating resolutions? Yeah, that's perfect. I think that's enough for the clerk to know what the action is and that it includes rescission of those originating resolutions. Okay. I'll, I'll, second. I'll second that. Okay, okay, we have a motion and a second. Call for the vote. Roll call vote. Councilmember Kasdan. Aye. Councilmember Reyes Martin. Aye. Councilmember Kiriako. Aye. Mayor Pro Tempo Richards. Yes. And Mayor Prodi. Aye. I see the ayes have it. Um, okay, now we're on E. Um, I can I, um, Mayor Pro Tem Richards, I'd like to start off by making some comments. Yes, please do. Okay. Um, I asked for this to come back, um, and I want I wanted to begin by saying that I I wanted to bring this item back because I I want to correct um, an error I made when um, recommending the committee assignments. Uh, specifically, I, I was I really was so focused. And the the evening was late, um, as it is now. Well, it's not that late. It was pretty late the last time we did this, and I was so focused on making sure that. Um, we gave our new council member, Luz Reyes Martin, some um, important committees because um, you know we'd all benefit from her extensive knowledge and expertise, and and that I I um, I lost sight of a few things that um, I want to talk about this evening, and one um, that I had already recommended that I give up the important public safety committee to Ms. Martin. Um, this committee is really important in these times of um, oh, controversy and um, fire and crime and policing. And um, I thought she would be excellent in that role. Second, that adding Councilmember Kiriako to this committee was the right thing to do because it's important to bring his energy, his expertise and new ideas to this committee. But I lost sight of the fact that by adding Ms. Reyes Martin and Councilmember Cariaco to the Economic Development Committee, Councilmember Kasdan, um, who has been serving on that committee for several years and working and is in the middle of the strategic plan, um, um, it, it would be, we'd be as, in essence bumping him off. Um, this was unfortunate and I feel is just wrong because by adding two new members, we would lose the continuity, the experience, um, and the knowledge that council member Kasdan has because he's been part of this committee for so long. So I'm asking our council to revisit this, um, you know, incredibly important economic development committee. I was so pleased to see that everybody wanted to be on that um, in order to, um, and I'd like to support, um, uh, and hope my colleagues would agree to support Councilmember um, Kasdan um, to serve on this committee. Um, I I want to say again, I'm really sorry that I've created any um, that this created any confusion. And um, but as my mother always said, it's never too late to um, to set things right and to move forward and and what's in, and really look at what's in the best interest. Uh, um, best possible way to you know work with our residents and the city of Goleta so 
that's why I brought this back for discussion for all of us, that we'd have a little bit more time to discuss it. And um, and that's um, where I'm coming from this evening. So I'm, I'm hoping that we can um, talk about this and, and then I, I will need, we'll need help figuring out um, E, how to do that. <coughs> Excuse me. I see a hand bum, uh, Councilmember Cariaco. Uh, th thank you, Mr. Mayor Pro Tem, and thank you, Madam Mayor. Um, I, I appreciate that um, heartfelt explanation, and I appreciate you acknowledging um, your intentions and uh, where you, um, where, where we ended up, and the situation we find ourselves in today. Um, one thing I, I didn't hear from you, uh, or perhaps maybe I, sh I could infer something from it, um, what was your intention for who the members should be? Of this particular, this committee, the economic development? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, uh, my intention tonight, or my intention the night that we um, did this? Uh, I, I'm sorry, let me be more clear. So if I had understood you correctly, you were talking about the different considerations you were juggling and you kind of, if I understood you correctly, and please correct me if I'm wrong because I don't want to get this wrong, but it sounded to me like you were saying you had intended for it to come out one way, but that it actually came out that night a different way. So did I, did I understand that correctly or was what you intended that night correct but then it's just upon reflection yes thank the, you for helping me clarify that. yes it, it it i hadn't thought it through i was tired it was um and i really didn't think of the fact that council member kasdan has been on there um for so for a while and in the middle and um of the strategic plan and i think um you know, his expertise um, and what he's learned over the years and um, is important, you know. So it'd be nice to have consistency with one person that has been on there. And uh, not that the two of you wouldn't do um, a, a fabulous job, but um, there's something to be said about, you know, somebody that's been working on this for a while. I, I appreciate the sentiment, Madam Mayor, and I, I think we can all agree that, um, um, you know, whoever you selected, because there were four of us, you know, yeah, any one of us could, could do a, a, an excellent job. Um, I, I do have some <laughs> questions. I, I think my questions really more kind of depend upon whether or not we want to consider creating a vacancy or not. If we, if we're going, if there's, if there's will of the council to create the vacancy and then discuss who should be the council members that fill that vacancy, um, then I do have some questions, but I guess, you know, to me, it kind of makes sense to kind of figure out, like, do we want to do this or not? Because we, we have the positions filled. So to me, the first question is, do we want to do the first action, which is, as I understand it from, I'm looking at my attorney, there's a couple of actions that would be required. The first would be to create a vacancy or vacancies. And then the second would be to entertain a motion on how to fill those vacancies because different council members could have different ideas in mind of like who the two people should be. So, um, yeah, that's that's the correct process. It's subcommittee, so it can only have two council members on it. So, it requires a vacancy in order to have any other appointment. Otherwise, we'd have a majority of the council. Okay, so I guess I would just hold off on my questions until I'm clear on 
kind of where we're at on that first question. Councilmember Reyes-Martin. Thank you. Um, I, I appreciate the comments, Mayor Prodi, and I know that they are sincere. Um, I'll try to keep my comments brief since we may have other uh, comments and public comment or folks watching on the Zoom. Um, I'm really disappointed that this item is before us um, and that we've had to have staff time on it and that now we are here um, having to talk about a difficult subject. Um, so I want to start by just reviewing the timeline a little bit in the process. So at our last meeting and in the staff report, it was very clearly outlined um, the, the process we went by to give, uh, you know, share our, you know, our preferences on different committees. That was very clearly outlined in the staff report. It was transparent. The public saw it. We had a very open and transparent uh, uh, discussion about each committee. Um, when we got to that committee, um, it was expressed by Councilmember Kasdan that he had been on the committee um, and that he had some experience. That was considered. Um, I, that was voiced. Um, he disagreed, uh, which I respect. That is his right. Um, and he voted to abstain from uh, the overall uh, you know, decisions that we made as a council, and that's his right. Um, so I think we fulfilled our duty as a council um, in making that decision. Um, and something happened between the last meeting and this meeting. I appreciate your thinking about how you came to that decision. But that didn't happen in a public meeting. And so now we're here having to reconsider this. Um, I just, you know, I'll mention it in my council comments, but I just came back from uh, California League of Cities, uh, new council member academy. And the number one thing that was stressed was the responsibility that we have as a council um, to, in many cases, win back the confidence of the public and the trust of the public. Um, over the last several years, we've seen that nationally. I, I hope not here in our community. Um, but that is a big responsibility we have. We have to hold ourselves to a really high standard of professionalism, of civility, and of respect. We set the tone. We set the tone for our residents. We set the tone for our other board, boards and commissions and committees. Um, and so I, I don't feel that we are living up to that um, by taking this action and, and reopening something um, to, to potentially take a vote to remove um, one of our colleagues from uh, one or two of our colleagues from a committee. I, I appreciate the sentiments around continuity. And um, I believe and have every confidence in every single one of the members on this council that they could step into any one of our committees um, and be able to uh, meaningfully contribute, to provide input. And then ultimately, that comes to the full council, any kind of actions anyway. Um, so yes, I think continuity is always one consideration. Um, I don't think it is the only consideration. Um, you know, I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll wrap it up with, with that, um, but I am not inclined to uh, do anything other than reaffirm um, the decision that this council has already made. Um, that, again, that was done in public. Um, our staff moved forward with implementing a decision that we made. Our community partners are aware of it. The public is aware of it. 
Um, and we want all of those partners to have confidence in the decisions that this council makes and that there is not an opportunity or a potential after a meeting for something to then come back um, and be revisited. So that I'll leave it there. Councilmember Kasdan. Just to clarify that in the process that occurred, I had announced my interest in the committee and that we were in the middle of doing something. The getting stripped of a committee assignment, getting kicked off a committee assignment is typically a punishment. It's if you look at what's happening in Congress right now, it's how they're punishing members who they want to, uh, you know, who they're angry at. Uh, representative, uh, I forget who, but it was not, as I understand the intention, by any means, to, to levy a punishment, to strip the assignment of me as, as a punishment. No one else, I would observe, was uh, removed from a committee they were serving on, uh, where they had expressed an interest in being on. It was not an intentional thing, as, as Mayor Perotti said, and uh, we are in the middle of a process there. It would be wrong to do that. It would be the fact and the implication that there's something inappropriate about uh, adjusting it. I don't even understand if there's an inference that there's something nefarious or that there's something inappropriate that's being done. I think that's misguided. I think it's inappropriate. And so I'll leave it at that. But I, I appreciate Mayor Perotti's effort. I was very disappointed before to have that because I do have a great interest in this topic. I've been doing economic development in some form or another for many, many, many years. Uh, I have a master's degree in um, economic development, and uh, I, I have knowledge and experience to contribute on it. I'll leave it with that, and I, I hope you guys can work it out and, uh, you know, understand where this, what happened. Mayor, there are no hands at the moment. Okay. Do we have any other speakers on Zoom? <laughs> yes, if anyone within the Zoom webinar would like to speak to a recommendation E, please use the raised hand icon and I will call on you. I do have Kristen Miller for recommendation E. Good evening, Mayor Perotti and council members. I'm Kristen Miller, President and CEO of the Santa Barbara South Coast Chamber of Commerce. We sent a letter to this item, which I won't repeat here, but I would like to summarize our concern regarding the return of council appointments to committees and the economic development uh, subcommittee after this item has already been discussed and voted on in a public meet council meeting. We have several concerns and now add to that question of why our letter has not been added to the comment section of the website. We at the chamber noted this item on the agenda for January way back in December. 
we watched the proceedings live with interest and reached out to council members Carriaco and Reyes-Martin the morning after the vote to congratulate them and offer our assistance from the Chamber of Commerce as they embark on a new year of service to the important Economic Development and Revitalization Committee. We spent several hours later that week in the Economic Development Strategic Plan core planning session only to find out later that new appointments were being recommended to the Economic Development Committee that will work with this group. It was extremely disheartening to learn that after all of our contributions in an open forum, we may be facing a situation where after the meeting, other discussions and decisions are going on outside of the public process. Once tonight's agenda was released, announcing that indeed, the council would be asked to change these two seats on the Economic Development uh, Committee, we were concerned to see no explanation, conditions, data included in the report as to why this is happening. There is no new information that we could study or understand before <coughs> showing up here tonight to witness a decision that was already made being re-debated. It's difficult for the chamber to participate in a process that is uncertain. We strive to be diligent and adhere to all of the city's processes around decorum, timing, Sub submitting comments, notices, and attending meetings, there are a lot of rules. It's unclear why the rule of only voting once and in public is different tonight. Lastly, the surveys conducted with the city's own economic development strategic plan noted a concern in the community that there is a breakdown between the city, the chamber, and the business community, which the plan may want to address. Appointing Council Members Carriaco and Council Member Reyes-Martin to the committee that works most closely with the Chamber of Commerce was a step toward acknowledging the current conditions and addressing the problem by assigning two council members who have actively and publicly showed strong support for the business community and for economic development programs. Unfortunately, the decision to revisit that vote puts us in a difficult position of now being here to defend or criticize or question this process and continues all of our uncertainty. Thank you. And we Thank have you. no further speakers. Okay, back to um, council. Madam Mayor, I'll, I'll say a few comments. Okay, please do. So I wanna first start by saying, you know, sometimes we make decisions here that we later reconsider. And that's happened to me uh, on this council. I at least remember a time with regard to the uh, cannabis uh, uh, licenses and our discussion there. And you know, there are times that we are able to come back and revisit and change our decision. Our decisions are not set in stone. So I, I guess I, I, I take issue with the comments that that something about this uh, is not an open, that, that it's not an open process, that yeah, we had a meeting and discussed it in open session, and we're having a meeting tonight and discussing it in open session, and so we're able to fully vet and discuss the points that, that are brought up here tonight. So I, I guess that the suggestion that something um, untoward, something nefarious, or something you know, behind the scenes has happened I, I take issue with that because I, you know, that is not my experience. That is not what I've seen. Um, what I've seen is an open deliberation 
and a, and, and a request to reconsider our, our open deliberations at another open session. So I guess I'm not convinced that, that us taking this on tonight is that, that there's anything per se wrong with that. It doesn't seem that that in itself is something wrong. We have the ability to reconsider our decisions, and, and this seems like an opportunity to do that. Um, I, I don't appreciate being here, I have to say. It's very awkward. It's, uh, you know, and I, I do think that, and I think if, if memory serves, all of us had expressed interest in serving on this committee, in, including myself, I'd be interested in it as well. Um, that wasn't, you know, where we landed last time, and, you know, who knows what will happen today. But, <coughs> you know, I, I know that anyone here, you know, would serve well on it, I, I believe. I, I, I don't think it's, you know, uh, about trying to look at who isn't going to serve well on a committee, because I think any of us could do it uh, exceptionally. Um, I, I do I, um, put a lot of credence in this idea of continuity, and... You know, I, I, at least I'll just say, you know, it's not an, it, it, it may be unusual, and it hasn't happened in my experience that we have reconsidered a, a council appointment. So that is uh, not something that I've seen before. But I have to say, I have not seen a precedent where we did not allow a council member uh, from a committee to reach, you know, to be removed from that committee without their consent. I, I, that, that, that would be a first as well. So. I, I, I am kind of, I do put credence in this idea that, you know, unless someone has been egregiously not, not you know, performing their duties, that they could, that they should or could be removed from that committee if that's something that they want to continue on. So it doesn't sit well for me to do that, although we did do that last time, and I think now we, we're having an opportunity to, to look at that again. I also agree with the mayor that you know it was late at night, and and we have we have had some uh, decisions that we've made that I didn't think were the best, uh, and that didn't serve the city that well when we have made them, and we're tired, and and then, and it's been a long night, and unfortunately, you know, I, I do believe that that was one of the situations at that time. So, I I would like to hear additional conversation and, and ideas, but those are just some of the thoughts that I have right now. I see uh, Councilmember Kiriakou's hand. Uh, thank you, uh, Mayor Pertam and Madam Mayor. Um, <laughs> I'm, I've just been sitting here <clears throat> for the last minute, to, minute or two kind of reflecting on uh, what uh, Mayor Pertam Richards was saying, sort of reflecting in the moment as you were saying it. And you brought up a specific example, the, the cannabis process. So let me just, we're not really agendized to talk about cannabis, but since you brought it up, let's talk about cannabis. So uh, my recollection, and staff or anyone, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but my recollection is the, the meeting before I started as a council member, the city council voted to have a process where a certain number of, of cannabis businesses would be allowed, and then I think it was either late 2019 or maybe early 2020, we then proceeded after having had a public process to change from, if I remember correctly, a land use based permitting process for cannabis to a business license process about cannabis. And if I remember correctly, one of the things that I had wanted to have happen was to go from this kind of notion of first in line, you 
have the first shot at the permit to a merit-based process. And I happened to, I lost that vote, by the way. Um, but if I recall correctly, that wasn't something that happened at the next publicly scheduled city council meeting. That happened months and months afterwards, and we had a workshop where cannabis businesses and came in and told us, what is taking you so long, and what's the deal? Um, and we gave comments to our staff, like, what's going on with this process? Let's get it going, because so much time had gone by. So I don't know who wants to take that, but my recollection is these, at least if, if that's the one example you can, you can name, those two, that example doesn't really seem congruent to me with this situation where it's the next meeting. And I was actually informed that this was gonna be on the next agenda within like 48 hours. I don't see the situations as congruent. I mean, if someone wants to correct me and it was a lot more accelerated and it happened a lot more closely together, please correct me, but I don't see anyone correcting me. So I, I, I think there was public process that happened. We got further staff direction that we should really, based on city attorney direction actually, that we should really be doing a business license process rather than a land use process. So I just, I just don't know how they're the same thing. Councilmember Kasdan. Yeah, I mean, I understand the difficulty here. So we're in the situation where uh, either I join and somebody has to, in essence, volunteer to leave or I don't go on, and that's a complicated and, and awkward position. I had one idea that I had. Let me throw this out and see if this is helpful that basically the idea is that we have another committee, and that is that social welfare, we right now, you know, as the city grows, as, a, um, as our capacity grows and, our, and you know, what we do, uh, that we essentially create a committee that's going to do seniors programs, youth programming, uh, not recreation, but but that social welfare function kind of thing that we don't have right now. The only way that we manage it is through the grants committee, and it's you know maybe less coherent and less strategic. And so I would think there would be some if we if this sounds good, and it, it could be that uh, child care goes into that as well. That we create this other committee, and then whoever isn't on economics economic development goes on to that committee as a I mean we would have interesting topics yeah councilmember Cariaco uh, thank you I mean, first of all I mean let me just say um, councilmember cast and I really appreciate how you're um, how you're conducting yourself and um, trying to find a solution uh, to this. Um, you know, when we had the meeting before, when we voted on this, uh, you know, we all kind of took turns saying why we wanted to be on the committee. And one of the reasons I said I wanted to be on the committee was because um, I, I suspected that there would be opportunities for the work of that committee to be able to work on matters such as child care, and it was a personal passion of mine and a policy passion of mine. 
Um, and I do see a really strong nexus between children and youth programs that relate to not just whether or not an employee has a place for their kid to be at during work, but the impact on brain growth, access to quality nutrition, a safe environment to learn and play, and how that ultimately leads to better, more adjusted humans. And so I, I think I can sit here and say more than one thing can be true at the same time, which is I, I think that childcare and those types of issues, youth services, cannot be divorced in, in terms of how I define economic development from the work of that committee, but in an interest in trying to, to get to yes, so to speak, um, if council wants to direct staff to explore creating some kind of a social welfare program, which could function somewhat differently and touch on a variety of issues, I mean, I guess I'd be curious to hear what the rest of the council has to say about that. But I, I wouldn't want that to be used as a proxy to then childcare just suddenly kind of is removed from the sphere of kind of planks of that work. I, I don't know if I'm answering your question. Or yeah, not. I mean, I guess what I would say is there's obviously with, let's say if we're specifically talking childcare, there's obviously implications for business, but it's fundamentally about the children, just like, you know, healthy brains uh, are good for, uh, you know, I, there's, there's a whole range of things of social welfare that are going to have spillover effects in other arenas, including economic development. Uh, and clearly it's going to be an, it'll have an impact in terms of child care that, that you don't get economic development uh, often without having some sort of capacity for child care. But at its core, it is focused on the family. It is focused on enabling the family to provide for care for their children. And so it, it is at its core not for the purposes in economic development. The purpose is to help the children, help the family. And the impact is a secondary impact on the businesses, but that's not why, at its core, necessarily you're doing it. It's so I don't think it's inconsistent, and I think that essentially, you're, if you're divining a, or devising a program to provide uh, childcare, you can do that with a kind of a, a straightforward process, knowing that it's going to benefit businesses in the area, but you're. So, anyway. Uh, can I respond, or I don't know if you have other people in the queue? Uh, no one else is in the queue at the moment. Okay. And, and I don't want to get into a tit for tat. So, I mean, I'll, I'll just say that I think more than one thing can be true at the same time. There can be a social welfare component to child care. There can be familial reasons for child care, regardless of whether or not the parents are in the workforce or not. I, I, I hear that. But if, if you're waiting for me to say that childcare isn't really economic development, you're gonna be waiting a really long time. Um, and and I, I don't, you, you, you know a lot about economic development and I don't wanna get into uh, an argument with you that isn't um, going to produce a positive outcome. And I, you know, I, I just, we, we disagree on, on, on that. But if there's a way for us to get to what you're saying about 
social welfare. I'm, I'm happy to consider it if the will of the council is to create a social welfare committee, but I can't see, I mean, I, I think it's in the RFP. I think it's part of the plank of what's going on. It, the chamber's got it in their roadmap to recovery. Um, the National Chamber of Commerce provides a toolkit on how to get the business sector behind childcare because it's an economic development thing. So I, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think it's productive to, to argue about whether or not childcare is economic development or not. I mean, at the end of the day, what we're trying to accomplish tonight is a, a decision on whether or not to, to create vacancies on the committee and then refill them or not. And I, I'd rather keep, keep our energies focused there respectfully. Well, I'll just say that um, I appreciate Councilmember Kasdan for um, bringing that up and you know suggesting that, but um, I don't know if we'd even be able. To not we're not agendized to like really discuss another committee, so I think we have to look at uh, what's in front of us this evening and how everybody feels about it. And um, so. Um, So if we, um, I guess this is for Ms. Garibaldi, if we're making changes, that would be two. We change the appointments by removing both existing committee um, council members. Is that, and then reappointing or re, I, I, I guess I'm still kind of uh, confused on that one. Madam Mayor, um, you can do it either way. You could remove one member, or you could vacate okay. the entire committee assignment and start over. Either of those would be appropriate. Okay. Well, well um, you know, I'll, I, I'll just chime in here again. You know, like this, like I said, I don't really appreciate being here, and this is a really difficult decision. And you know, especially, you know, surrounded by my colleagues right here. Um, I, I think you bring up a good challenge to my point, uh, Councilman Member Kiriako. Um, the example I gave you probably wasn't the best. I, you know, I, I still stand by the, the point that um, maybe my example was not the best, but I think the point remains that we have the ability to reconsider our decisions. I mean, that, that's the bottom line. So, you know, I understand that there's concern about how this worked and the speed at which this happened, um, but I don't want to discredit that that that's a that's a, an appropriate function of us to be able to do that here. Um, I do want to say though that you know I I think that we made the wrong decision uh, at, at the last meeting when we decided that I think it was uh, you know that there were some factors that were that were presented uh, and I appreciate. Uh, Mayor Prodi's explanation of that. That was the first time I had heard uh, that uh, description of, of what was happening. And so I do uh, appreciate her for sharing that. I, I, I think where I'm landing on this, though, is that even though it was the wrong decision that we made last time, I don't think that the way you correct a wrong is to make another mistake and do another wrong. And I'm really having a hard time thinking about removing uh, any of our uh, members of the committee like like it was wrong to remove one last time and I think it would be wrong at this point you know uh, we have an established committee and I I hear that they're both interested in defending why they want to be on that and I think that they have every right to want to do that and to continue 
Um, so I kind of, you know, I think that's where I'm landing on this, and, and, I, and it's really difficult to say that, and I, you know, but I think that's where I am. See Councilmember Kiriako? I, I just, I, I want to say I, I appreciate everything you said. Um, I'm wondering if there are lessons we can learn for the future, um, and this isn't to a motion, but you know, we, we have kind of this bifurcated process for how the appointments work. There's some where when it comes to the full council, the mayor has already decided, I choose this person to be visit Santa Barbara liaison. I choose that person to be Gersh Park. And then the rest of them, we get a spreadsheet that just kind of lists everyone that's interested. Uh, question for the city attorney, how does it work legally? Isn't, if I understand correctly, isn't it at the end of the day the, the mayor's prerogative to appoint to all of our committees and then we ratify? Councilmember Kiriako, Madam Mayor, so the, in cities with directly elected mayors, there's actually a government code provision that sets forth that the mayor sets the appointments and then that is ratified. Those apply to the city's regional, regional and city committee commissions, boards, and committees, but not subcommittees of the council. That That is separate and apart, and technically in your rules of decorum and procedure, there's a discussion of the council committees, and that discusses that that is at the will of the council. And so there is this, legally that concept is a bit of a fiction, because you ratify the mayor's appointments, and so you are consenting to the mayor's appointments, but in terms of process, it may look a little bit different as opposed um, to a mayoral appointment or direct mayoral appointment. It could be more mm -hmm. consensus-based. Thank you. Because I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to get at is the, the dilemma that the, the mayor set out, which is like in, in the hustle and bustle of a later night meet, meeting, she ended up making a decision which upon reflection she wishes she hadn't made. And having an agendized meeting where she expresses her preference, and then we all talk about it as a council, but we know going in what her preferences would not rob the mayor of space and time in the future. The mayor would need to dedicate that time ahead of the meeting. It would solve that problem, at least conceptually to me. I'm just wondering, is there anything illegal about us having a process where the mayor could just indicate her preferences similar to the other appointments on the spreadsheet. And we all, we all know going in what her thoughts are and we can brown act with each other as appropriate. We can horse trade during the meeting as appropriate. Um, you know, if we had ho tried horse trading during the last meeting, we might not even be here today, but we're here today. Yeah, from a, that's a good question. Um, and in terms of lessons learned, I think that's a helpful way to think of it. Um, the, the process could look like the regional board's process if that's what you would like it to look like and to create sort of clear consistency um, as to how this process works. There, I don't see an issue with that. It, it would seem to eliminate that notion of sudden, suddenly this is who we got and then if we ever reconsider it later, suddenly, oh God, what happened? Yeah. I, I'm not, we don't have to act on this tonight, but I'm, I'm trying to utilize this opportunity to see if there's a, a way we could 
lessen the, the possibility of this happening again because this isn't this isn't good for anybody and you know I don't feel particularly good about this regardless of how it goes so it just Well, I, I will say that when um, we first had our first, um, when uh, we voted to have an elected mayor and it went through and um, I came forward as the first elected mayor, this this topic was a really important to me because, um, and I even went to Mike Jenkins at that time because I didn't like the idea that the mayor had all the authority um, to appoint um, so I, I've always tried really hard um, to include everyone when we're making our decisions on um, committees and boards. That's why we always meet, um, you know, uh, and interview all everybody. I mean, I know it's different than, from this, but um, so I've always wanted it to be a fair practice for all of us to um, and not just be the one that controls it all because um, I didn't. I, I didn't think that was a, a good idea. So, you know, I, this is just really hard. I'm really sorry that um, we're going through this tonight. And um, I feel confident we'll figure it out. We'll um, try a couple of motions here and, um, and uh, move on, you know. And I, I like what, I don't know if it was you, Councilmember Kariako said the lessons learned <laughs> and um, your suggestions. Um, Everyone's suggestions were good. So um, I don't know if someone wants to try a motion and see where we go with it. Councilmember Yeah, I'll, I'll try a motion. Um, I, I will move with regret that we reaffirm the city council appointments to the economic development <coughs> revitalization standing committee. I'll second. And then we'll do a, a vote, a roll call vote for this one. Councilmember Kasdan. <laughs> no. Councilmember Reyes Martin. Aye. Councilmember Kiriako. Aye. Mayor Pro Tempore Richards. Yes. Mayor Prodi. Aye. So I'm, uh, once again, I'm terribly sorry that we weren't able to discuss this um, last meeting um, longer and uh, it came to this. So, um, okay. We will now um, have uh, council comments. If there's anything you wanna say on <laughs> standing committee reports. Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to go, but okay. <laughs> I didn't see anyone. Uh, 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 Mayor, I can report on a few things here. Um, if I can find my notes. Um, first of all, the Energy and Green Issues uh, Standing Committee did meet on January 23rd. Uh, there were a few issues that we discussed. The City Hall EV charger station rates, uh, and we gave some direction to staff about that. Um, and we recommended participation in a home solar and battery storage program. And uh, thirdly, the, there was a discussion about the REACH code ordinance, and we gave feedback and recommended uh, bringing it to the full council. 
Um, secondly, I want to report that I participated in a walk to remember in Isla Vista, and this was a response to the recent attacks on the Jewish community, not only in Isla Vista, but also at Dos Pueblos High School. Um, and that was led um, by students at UCSB and Hillel. And uh, third, um, I, I'd like to uh, uh, get concurrence for uh, recommending the establishment of an ad hoc committee um, regarding the county's housing element update. So, second. Okay, and I have a second from Councilmember Kiriakou. Thank you. And, and with regard to that, is that something that will come back to us at a future date then? Um, yes, Mayor Pro Tem, that will come back at a future date for the council's ratification. If you wanted to specify who that was on that ad hoc committee, I don't want to get into debate, obviously, so, um, but that way staff could just have it fully baked. But okay. if we, we can also just have that come back at the next meeting and have that discussion then. Okay, well, I'm, I'm happy to volunteer for that, but I don't know if we want uh, to come back for that. I'll, 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 I'll nominate Councilmember Kasdan. I would support that. Okay. All right, thank you. Uh, Councilmember Reyes-Martin. Thank you. I, I wanted to just briefly report on a couple of things. Um, as I mentioned, I had last week attended uh, the League of California Cities new Council Member Academy um, with our city manager. Um, that was a really wonderful experience um, to really deep dive on some upcoming uh, policy issues that we should be aware of um, as council members. It was also a great opportunity to uh, spend some time with and get to know council members um, all across uh, California, but in particular some uh, council members in Santa Barbara County um, that were in attendance from Carpinteria to the Santa Inez Valley um, and some colleagues in Ventura County. Um, that was a really great uh, uh, time to talk with them about issues that are that they are concerned with and some other new council members uh, to have some uh, peer, uh, you know, colleagues and, and time with. Um, so that was very uh, valuable. Um, and I look forward to joining as part of as part of the league, uh, the Women's Caucus and the Latino Caucus uh, for the League of California Cities. Um, so I look forward to participating in um, resources that are available to council members through those groups. Um, I also wanted to uh, say that with concurrence from uh, council member Kiriako and in talking with um, our city manager um, to bring forward a Black History Month proclamation at our next meeting. Um, I, I did notice that the county's uh, Black History Month uh, calendar included um, maybe some suggestions or nudges for cities to, to really recognize uh, Black History Month, and I would really support that, and I believe this council has done that in the past. Um, and lastly, I wanted to point out, you know, it was mentioned um, uh, by Councilmember Kazan earlier in the meeting, but the uh, Islamic Society of Santa Barbara at Los Carneros is doing a relief drive for uh, the earthquake in Turkey. Um, and that's taking place this Thursday. Um, you can find more information on their social media about uh, supplies and other clothing and things that they are collecting um, as part of those uh, efforts to, to help in that tragic, um, tragic accident. That's all. Okay, uh, no other comments? Um, city manager? 
city last week um, announcing to the community and more specifically um, neighbors and businesses in Old Town that we were going to be moving forward to the mayor's condo scheme. Your, your microphone is off, I think, because I can't hear. I'm going to start all over. Thank you, Madam Mayor, uh, members of the council, members of the community. I do have four announcements tonight. The first one has to do with, uh, we put out a press release last week, and this press release had to do with a specific project in Old Town, uh, a project that uh, the council took action on in December. The, count, the action in December uh, was a green light to the project, but essentially it was approving the mechanism so that we could start enforcing parking generally uh, in Old Town, right? That mechanism did not exist. Currently, there are, for example, there are signs that say 60-minute parking. We don't have the ability to enforce that. So that was the driver, but the, I, the project um, certainly is related to a bigger project of restriping in Hollister on Old Town. So after the December meeting, we geared up to move ahead with this phase of changing this, the uh, time parking from 60 minutes to 90 minutes. That's something that had some history, some survey work. Everyone seemed to agree with that. And it was also acknowledged at the time that associated with putting those new signs in place, there'd be some red curbs and we would lose some parking. So the, the press release went out um, last week announcing this was coming. And after further reflection, reconsideration, and also getting some feedback from the community, uh, we are recommending, or we are just, I guess, intending to wait, put the pause button on that, and wait for the striping project to happen. Uh, there's so much overlap between the two, just logistically and from the intention uh, of both, that it just doesn't really make sense to change the enforcement now, eliminate some parking, and then wait until summer to do the restriping where the whole intention was to actually add some parking back. Um, so I wanted to announce that we, of course, will put out a press release because we already put it out, so we have to make sure this message gets out. Um, but I wanted to start here and announce that that was our plan. Um, pause that project and, and incorporate it into the restriping so everything happens at the same time. We restripe, we do all that work, repave Hollister, change the parking from 60 to 90 minute, and do all associated painting associated with both projects at the same time. So we'll make sure we get a good press release out on that. Uh, the next item I wanted to mention was, last week was a big week for the city. I'm seeing here from our our communication uh, person that we actually turned 21 last year, so uh, we need to acknowledge that. But really, uh, what I wanted to announce was we, we did a refresh to our website. A lot of work went into that last week. Uh, you received a presentation on that probably in October or November of last year. Uh, there was dialogue then. Idea, we received feedback on, on you know, the look and feel and what we should do. And since then, we finally got to that point where, you know, it's a big deal to make that switch. Um, websites are one of our most important communication tool that we have in this day and age. And so it was a huge refresh that took a lot of work. So that happened. Um, we held our breath. And it actually went very well. Um, we've received some positive feedback. Um, maybe we've received some questions. But we still want to make sure that that opportunity is there for the public. So I'm announcing it now again. And apparently, um, we're going to have an item on the next Public Engagement Commission meeting of February 15th. Uh, there will be an item at that meeting to also talk about the website 
and take comments from people if they're having any trouble at all navigating it or are just wondering why we made the change from, from the one we previously had. So that's coming. I just want to acknowledge uh, Kelly Hoover, Jamie Shaw. Uh, they were just working um, many hours. The closer you get to that point where you switch websites, it's just an incredible amount of work. And they also wanted me to acknowledge Scott Phillips from IT and Elizabeth Sacido from uh, the Goleta Valley Library, because a lot of it was also geared to the library. So I wanted to acknowledge that. Um, our staff in our sustainability division, I'm moving to a third announcement, um, of our public works department have been working on what are called REACH codes. Uh, we have a sustainability committee that um, is probably a little more educated on this, but this is winding its way to the full council uh, without going into a lot of detail. Essentially, these REACH codes would be such, the thrust of them is that new construction would re be required to be electric all electric instead of gas. Uh, there is uh, two workshops coming up, uh, one on February 21st, and I just saw the flyer that went out at 1 o'clock. That's a Zoom workshop to take feedback from the public about these REACH codes before they wind their way to city council. And then in mid-March, there will be an in-person workshop where they'll actually have demos uh, involved in that workshop. So those are both a coming, and then the hope would that it would get to city council uh, in April. And then my final announcement, and I think I made this one last time, but we'll keep doing it because it's such a big project, is Equal Fowler is coming. Uh, it's a huge project. It's the biggest project, I'm told, that the city has ever embarked on. I actually have some very cool stats that our Deputy Public Works Director gave me. I won't go through them now because this will be coming back to council um, because we're about to enter into the construction management contract. That's the next step, and we'll give a full presentation. Um, but I just don't think we can get the word out about this enough um, because when we go into construction, uh, there are going to be impacts. We've all acknowledged that. So we're going to keep getting the word out and doing everything we can to liaison with the business community, the users of Old Town, um, and, and that thoroughfare to make sure that we do everything we can to make it as least impact as possible. And I mention this because, in essence, the project has already started. Uh, Pre-work is being done. We put a press release out. That's utility work. Maybe you don't see that as much. Um, but in essence, the project has started. Um, so more to come on that, and we'll just keep getting the word out about the Equal Fowler project. Um, that concludes my remarks tonight. Thank you. Garibaldi, city uh, attorney. No report tonight, Madam Mayor. Okay, well, then this meeting's adjourned. Thank you, uh, Mayor Pro Tem Richards, for helping facilitate this. <laughs> Thank you. Hope you feel better. Thanks. Good night, everyone.